Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Colin. This is episode 50, Fetterman Debate and Dim Exit. After the debate between Senate candidates Fetterman and Oz, it is clear that both candidates are not the best option. But what will it take for progressives to leave the Democratic Party? So I see we already got people lined up here in the queue. Let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. I think Karthik has a new picture. So Karthik, you are on the mic. Just have to admit. Uh, Sabi, uh, can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, sorry. One moment. Uh, so Sabi, I hope you like my uh, Halloween costume. Um, and sorry to distract, but in your title, it said, uh, what will it take for progressives to leave the uh, Democratic Party? Well, it looks like King Liar, progressive hero, uh, Jake Eager has left the Democratic Party. He's, he's voting for a Republican uh, billionaire, a re- re- real estate criminal, Rick Caruso, <laughs> mayor of L.A. Isn't yeah. he a mess? No, yeah, I've never seen somebody expose himself in record speed. Like, I'm like after now, because he's hating on poor people and homeless people, I'm sure... Uh, He's going to be hating on uh, 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 disabled people or disabled activists next. But you know what? I'm wondering, like, this kind of makes more sense to me now, like some of the comments that he's had about the homeless people in Los Angeles. Also, the comments that he's had about defunding the police. So it just remember, he was a Republican before. Yeah, I know. I was a huge fan of him. Jake, you used to be my hero for uh, 10 years. Oh, my gosh. I just it. You know, it's it's really interesting because um, I did not expect him to expose himself in the way that he did. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you can't make this shit up because Rick Caruso was a Republican until two seconds ago, and he's right. a, he's been a lifelong donor to Republicans, and he's anti-choice. And I, I just don't know what to expect because this guy is. I don't even think that MSNBC is supporting. Rick Cruz. It's almost like MSNBC is to the left of Jake now. I know. Well, it's they're focusing on uh, women's rights, right? So if that's what they're focusing on, then they're going to be for Karen Bass, yeah. right? No, yeah, I'm honestly so. shocked that Jake isn't supporting Karen Bass because he used to be a big supporter of her. He's talking about how she's a big progressive and she wants Medicare for all. And, and he supported her so much that, that he wanted her to be uh, Biden's VP, but now he won't even support him for mayor of his own city, Los Angeles. And, and I lived in close to LA. So it's really shocking. Yeah, from what I've, I, I remember I, I talked to, who did I talk to about this recently? Uh, I think I talked to Jimmy about that. Yeah, when he came on last time, we talked about Karen Bass and, and Jimmy said both of them were, were horrible. And I, I did do uh, research on Karen Bass and she's corporate too. Yeah, she's very status quo. It's like she'll do whatever Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi want. Right. So it's just like it. I did not expect, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen, for those of you who are not on Twitter, uh, the number of people who have just really like lost it the past couple of days. Like it's really interesting to me because I have heard Gene Kuker multiple times call people like Jimmy Dore right wing, but Jimmy Dore didn't tell you to vote for the Republican. You know, I wonder what, what his argument now will be for, for, for like, telling people to vote Democrat, because he's voting for a Republican, like, and he calls pretty much, like, like uh, any, anyone else that, that doesn't want to vote Democrat, uh, right-wing Republican, but now he's voting Republican. Oh, and also, I, I found this out through CJ today, just an hour ago, but Katzenberg is also supporting Caruso. 
Well, that explains a lot. You know that Katzenberg, or I don't know if you guys are aware, but Katzenberg, he's the gentleman that gave TYT that $20 million. million. Well, he also tried to criminalize homelessness in Los Angeles. Yeah, that, that was like around, like I think the day before, day after that uh, Anna Kasparian went on a homeless, anti-homelessness rant. Yeah, exactly. So what did I tell you guys? This is proof that money, that the money will corrupt you. This is why I don't do corporate media. It's different. Like if someone asked me to come on as a guest, I'll come on as a guest, but I won't work there. Because just look at, look at how quickly his, his decision changed. Like, well, Jeffrey Kassenberg supported Caruso and that's your donor. So you probably got to move in that direction too. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's just I. It's so sad. Like like I, I'm not okay. I'm kind of in. Sh- I'm I am in shock, but I'm not in shock as well. Because like I I'm in shock because like usually Jenk is more, I guess, not as obvious. I'd say uh, about his like you know beliefs or tendencies or voting. Because he he always says, oh, voting's not important. It's just it's not that important. It's just like it's not, it doesn't it doesn't. Uh, speak about your value. It's it's just like one like piece of paper button you press on voting every four years. Don't think about it and then push the candidate left. But then if pe- but then if people don't vote Democrat, that's half the time he's smearing them. Right. I mean that's a big part of the problem. You know it's really interesting because I had so many um, <laughs> so many tweets sent to me like via DM yesterday about this whole like this whole meltdown that Chink Uger had. He's still venting, by the way. And uh, it's funny that oh, like and he's still uh, Russia getting to it hasn't ended. Yeah. And like, it's funny, too, because like someone sent me a screenshot of Ben Dixon saying, what the hell is going on at TYT? And it was him retweeting that tweet from Jinx saying that he's going to support Caruso. And uh, it's funny, like they had to send me the screenshot because like Ben Dixon blocked me way back. I think it was. <sighs> I think that was that before I started my show. I think that was before I even started my show. And like Ben Dixon blocked me and I have no idea why. And it's just funny because I used to actually watch, you know, Ben Dixon when he was on TYT. Like I was like, I used to think he was pretty legit and cool too. And then I was like, nah, y'all, you starting to lean over to Joe Biden. And so it's it's just, it's hilarious. Like everybody's losing it. They're all like, because I think they realize this is over. Yeah, it's just so it's like, yeah, Jenk Uger has officially become the uh, Sean Hannity of Glenn Beck. You know, he's got all the, all the theatrics of Glenn Beck <laughs> and all the lies and smears of Sean Hannity. And what's the excuse he's trying to use, right? He's using the excuse of the homelessness issue in Los Angeles and the defund movement. Yeah, defund the police. And, and like, there's not a single candidate, like, like even the most far left candidates aren't running on uh, defund the police or prison abolition. Like, in his debate with uh, uh, Ole, uh, like, the last thing that Jenk said was that, uh, Ole, I mean, please don't r- r- run in this. And I'm like, dude, like, she, she's not some, like, like political consultant or whatever. She's like, she's a public defender. Like, why would she, like, run for office or something? It didn't make any sense. I don't know if you saw that debate. No, yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I know we covered that on RBN, but I will, I will also say this. I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think Karen Bass was running on defund the police either. Yeah, I, I don't think a single Democrat for federal offices, like even, like Bernie said he's against it, um, and, and like AOC or anybody, like no no justice Democrats have brought it up. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so. funding the police. Exactly. Like, so it just, I, it just is funny to me, man. This is so funny. Like, such a pivot. And he looks like an absolute clown. Like, an yeah. absolute clown. Yeah, and Jenks is that he sees trash and the roads are replaced. Like, yeah, I've been to LA. Like, uh, yeah, LA is a great place to live. That's why I don't live there. But, like, I, I doubt that, that that's what's in Jenks' neighborhood. Like, I, I have no idea if I, maybe he's a millionaire, maybe he isn't. I, I don't know. But I do know that, that he's owned a house for at least five years. So I, I would imagine that he's not poor. He is a millionaire, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's in. I, I know because, yeah, it's because I, I, I give a lot of money to TYT. But sorry, sorry to distract. Going back to your topic between uh, Oz and Fetterman. Yeah, I, I didn't see the full debate. I did see some clips, and I know that, like, in the like, I, I felt like Fetterman ended um, horribly. Like, I, I like the last question was like, "Hey, uh, both the candidates, please explain why you think you're better or whatever." And, and then Fetterman just didn't answer. He was like, uh, "Vote for me on November eighth or whatever." I, I forgot exactly, but yeah, obviously, like Doctor Oz is a total clown. Like, he sold himself to Trump, and you know, just does whatever he thinks like will like. Uh, give him brownie points and then Federman, like you said like he had his own Trayvon Martin situation and he's pro-cop pro-Israel pro-fracking so like both of them suck yeah and like people are like well there's no one else and I'm like Richard Weiss like all of you guys who are progressives that live in Pennsylvania you should be voting for Richard Weiss Richard Weiss is not pro-fracking because he's a part of the Green Party so you should be voting for him not just the guy that is running through the Democratic Party just because people told you, like, that's who you should be voting for. This is part of the reason why third party and independent candidates don't get the opportunity that they should get. Because people, I feel like people tell themselves that they have to vote for the lesser of two evils. And people aren't voting based on policy anymore. People are based on it's true. It's like, oh, well, Fetterman's cool because he wears a, a sweatshirt and a hoodie, or he wears a hoodie and shorts. And I'm like, yeah, but did you look at his policies? So yeah. it just <laughs> like, like I, I know he says he's for Medicare for all and stuff, but like we both know he's not going to do anything. Like, like he's just going to do what Joe Biden tells him to do, or allow and Chuck Schumer and Pelosi. Right. And a big red flag for people should have been when Hillary Clinton announced her endorsement of John Fetterman. That should have been a huge red flag for people. I'm like, Hillary Clinton is not going to endorse a real progressive. Yeah, and I know like some people won't like this, but I like I don't like if I did live in Pennsylvania, you know, like like I wouldn't want to support Fetterman because like he said, like he like people know like he has had some health problems, you know, and like and he didn't seem like he seemed okay, like he seemed better than he was like a few months ago, I guess, but he still like didn't seem like like he was like in great like uh, health condition. And I, no, I, I know I mean, some people may not like that. Well, I tr- I tried to stay away from the fact that he had a stroke because I noticed like that was the focus of a lot of people the other day. They were like, well, he did well considering he had a stroke. Yeah, but when you do that, you're taking people's attention away from his policies. Yeah, and I know. It's all about, like, I, I have many other problems with him, like I said earlier. Yeah, so it's just, I think that... Um, it's really sad. Like, this is the best they could do. And, and Dr. Oz doesn't even live. From what I understand, he doesn't even live there. Yeah, Dr. Oz is a clown. <laughs> I'm like, you guys have, like, your your candidates are, let's see, you have a candidate who doesn't really live in the state that he's running in, 
who's a TV, a doctor on TV, right? Yeah, so you got another by Oprah. Exactly. Oh, I wonder how Oprah feels now. <laughs> well, Oprah doesn't care. Like I, I, I think I first heard this from CJ or Nick, but like uh, Oprah's part of the black uh, capitalist class. Mm-hmm. I think that was the term that uh, one of them used. And and so Oprah, I, I know she's seen as a sign of black excellence, but she was pro war on Iraq. Yeah, she was. She was. To to be fair, though, most people were during that time. Most people believed the, believed the lie during that time. So just just to put that out there. But but I will say that, like, those are your choices. So you have Dr. Oz and then you have, let's see, John Fetterman, the guy who chased down a black jogger with a shotgun, the guy who's pro fracking and the guy who's anti BDS. These are your candidates. Yeah, I, I think he said he wants to strengthen uh, America's relationship with Israel or something like that. It was more than that. He said he would vote for any policy that was pro-Israel. And he also said he was against the BDS movement. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if there's anybody in Congress that supports uh, BDS. That's I a problem. He said he's anti. He doesn't support it. Well, I think Rashida Tlaib's the only one that's spoken out openly. Oh, and yeah, so- well, that makes sense. I, I, I would hope she would because she is uh, Palestinian. So I feel like yeah. for her, like that should be like, like, uh, like, just like a uh, immediate yes. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I agree. yeah, thanks for talking to me, Sabrina. I'm not taking your time. Uh, I'll let uh, Delphia speak. I, I know a lot of people like her here, so thanks oh. for everything. Okay, all right, we are going to bring in Miss Delphia. You're on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hey, hey, hello. How you doing? Doing great. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to make this quick. Um, Federman's big thing is he's pro-union. He loves talking about how much he loves unions and good jobs and stuff like that. But once you leave that, there's not a whole lot there to say. And the unions that he's pro-union are corporate unions. Okay? Of course. <laughs> All right. You know, Oz... Oz is a quack. Uh, two words for you. Two coffee enema. The man is for coffee enemas. I'm done. Now, now the question about um, progressives leaving the Democratic Party, I don't think they will. I really don't. I've been thinking about this for a few days. Uh, the specific thing about will they leave. And, you know, kind of like the Jews in Europe in the 1930s, no, they're not going to leave. They will go down with a sinking ship, and the Democratic Party is definitely a sinking ship. They won't go left, and they won't leave. Yeah, it's just getting further and further it's a downward spiral for the Democratic Party. And it's just, and I'm sorry, but Rokana can do all the interviews in the world. But people just aren't buying it. Like, people can still see that economically we still have issues. People can still see that the Democratic Party is full of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, well, when I was, in, I turned 18 on a Wednesday. I was a freshman in college at UNC. My parents 
drove from Pender County, North Carolina to Orange County, North Carolina to pick me up, take me back to Pender County so I could register as a Democrat and vote in those elections. Neither one of my parents today would give a damn about the Democratic Party if they were still with us. And when I left the Democratic Party, it wasn't because I just hated Democrats. I hated what the party had become. And I didn't see anybody trying to change it. Nope. Now, there may be a few more people who are still hanging on that might become independent or in my state unaffiliated. Um, but most of they're going to stay. They're going to stay, you know, until they're marched in the showers. I hate to say it, but that's what I'm seeing. So let's talk about this piece here about um, the independence, because this is something that I really struggle with. Uh-huh. The majority of Americans are independents, are registered independents. Correct. But what tends to happen is that they tend to, in the end, vote for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And so I I feel Uh like independents really need to start voting for independent or third party candidates. I agree. To to, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's like if you're still going to vote for the duopoly, then you're not really independent. Correct. But it makes them feel better. And, there's, and, and and you also have this problem. On a local level, a lot of times you know, you know the people running personally. So you'll, you'll find yourself going, well, so-and-so is my friend. And I know she's a Democrat. I know he's a Democrat. But I'm going to vote for them anyway. And then you get this kind of creep where you go, well, I voted that way for county commissioner. I might as well vote that way for this or that or the other. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I think it's a good way to think. I'm saying that's what I see. And next thing you know, you're voting for the Democrat for president. That's how it works. Which is why I think um, and I'm sure, and I think you think the same way, that what we've got to do is we've got to get more independence at a local level. Exactly. More, more. Locally. You really right. do. I mean, the, the way that, the way that the religious fanatics took over the Republican Party, they did it one school board seat at a time. And that's what the left has to do. They have, I'm going to say this and I'm going to go. The left has got to start thinking that you do business type things in a business type manner. There's a way to do it. There's steps to take. You have a plan. You stick to the plan. The plan will work. And it's not about people feeling good or being in awe or isn't this great? We all hanging out together. We all think alike. This is lovely. No. We've got to have a plan, and part of that plan has got to be outreach and education. Otherwise, there's, there's no point. 
and you start one school board seat at a time. And with that, I'm going to let y'all go. Because I got to get up in the morning and go to this thing called work. Thank you so much, Delthea. So guys, y'all have a good night. You too. That's a good point, guys, that Delthea just brought up is about running more independence on the local level. I've brought on a couple of people. I still have more that I need to reach out to that have actually won local races as third party candidates and as independent candidates. They do exist. So when people make criticism about the Green Party, they're like, the Green Party doesn't have a chance to win the presidency. My question is, why are we only looking at the the presidency? And why are we not focusing more on these local races? Local politicians don't always remain as local politicians. And um, Zineb, I tried to make you a speaker, not a uh, trying to invite you to speak as a speaker. So, and I'll give you an example. Ayanna Presley was a local politician. She was my city councilor. She moved up from that and became a congresswoman. They don't always stay where they are. But we can't ignore these local races like Delthea mentioned school board, city council. How many of you in the chat know who your city councilor is? Because most people I talk to don't even know who their city councilor is. Running for mayor positions, running for governor positions. So that is something I have to get back to bringing those people on that one as third party or independence. Peter Schwartzman was a perfect example because Peter, Peter ran as a, he was a green um, and he's the mayor in Illinois. I forget the name of the town. I forget the name of the city. I have to go back and check, but Peter Schwartzman came on and he won the mayor race and he's actually done things in the community, right? To help people in the community on a local level outside of his position. And him and his father wrote a book about how to tackle climate change. And you know what he told me when he came on? He said, my father and I wrote this book years ago about how to tackle climate change. And he said, did anybody call me? He said, no, you're the only one that reached out. That's the problem. That's why people don't know that these politicians exist. That's right, um, Galesburg, Illinois. That's where Peter is. That's why they don't know that these these politicians exist. And even if you look at something like Justice Democrats, why didn't they run people on the local level first? Why was it just like, let's run people for these congressional seats? We, there, there was no leverage on the local level and you need to have that in place. I'm going to bring in uh, John as the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to, uh, about the, the Fetterman-Oz debate. Uh, I was wondering what, what sort of, you know, your, your take on it was, you know, as, as someone who's like an independent, you know, and I didn't know too much about the race going into watching uh, the debate. You know, uh, I watch a, a good amount of like independent media. So, you know, like I had had some, you know, pretty high hopes for, for Fetterman and didn't necessarily think too highly of Oz, but but that debate was pretty rough going, going, going in kind of neutral. Uh, that seemed, that, that seemed like a, a pretty tough debate for Fetterman. Uh, so I guess, mm -hmm. I guess I'd be pretty worried about, about the outlook of, of that race. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your take on it is. So I actually, so those of us over at uh, revolutionary blackout network, we actually started covering John Fetterman months ago. 
And we we told we were the ones I think we might have been the first ones. I have to go back and check. But we were trying to warn people about his policies. And I remember like people were getting mad at us on Twitter. Like, how dare you guys look into his policies? I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. How dare you look up what he stands for? Right. Uh, so that was really interesting. And some people got they were upset with us because they didn't like what they heard. And I'm just like, look, like the information is out there for you. So, yes, he did make statements saying he was anti-BDS. He did make st- statements saying that he would support policy for Israel. So, against going against the Palestinian people, he did chase a black jogger down and put a shotgun to his chest. Like, he did say that he was pro-fracking. Like, we revealed all those things months ago. And it was really frustrating, I think, for us because a lot of the the left independent media outlets, they were promoting John Fetterman, and they were leaving those details out. And mm-hmm. I was just like, how are you guys? You have to tell people the pros and the cons of the candidate, not just the pros. Otherwise, you're misguiding the people and you're misleading the people. And then after that debate... That's when I started to get feedback from people saying to us, like, whoa, you guys were right about Fetterman. Of course, because we did our research. You know, and so what we have learned over the years when it comes to voting, a lot of times people are just voting based on vibes, as as Nick calls it. They're voting based on familiarity, the person, whether or not they like the person. Some people like John Fetterman because he wears a hoodie and he wears shorts. But what are his policies? And my big thing, too, is that for people who are passionate about climate change, how can you vote for someone that's pro-fracking? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, at this point, like after that debate, I don't I don't see what the difference was between them, you know, nominating Fetterman over like a Connor Lamb or like, an, you know, an establishment den. It doesn't I don't see, I don't see the difference. And on top of it, you know. Unfortunately, he's not able to present himself in the best light right now. So I I don't see the appeal. No, and it's it's unfortunate because you do have Richard Weiss. Richard Weiss is running as the Green Party candidate. He doesn't support fracking. You know, unfortunately, he's not allowed on the debate stage. And so people don't get to hear that other voice. And so they're like, man, I'm stuck between voting for these two terrible candidates. And this is when people will say, well, we got to do the lesser of of two evils. So Marianne Williamson tweeted this out and I, I challenged her on this because I, I do know her. And she said, well, I'd rather vote for the one who's the guy who's principled. And I'm like, how are you principled? If you're supposed to be the Democrat here, how are you principled if you're pro fracking and you think you can just chase a black man down on the street who's just jogging and you're against a Palestinian led movement? So for people like me and like my community, that's not principled. So we can't, what we have to stop doing is we cannot continue to let like this progressive movement make people believe that you have to vote for the person regardless what their policies are just because they're running through the Democratic Party and they're better than the Republican because at the expense basically of black people and working class people. You can't do that anymore. You can't do it. So what's the problem? And then you got Bernie Sanders out here going around, doing a tour across the country, out here promoting candidates that that are not progressive, that are taking corporate money. So what is it going to take for progressive in the United States to wake up and leave the Democratic Party? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And, you know, when, when the independent movement, you know, unfortunately, well, I don't know, like, I don't know what you think about, uh, you know, like the forward party, like the, I mean, I think the idea is a good idea. I don't, I wish that they were, didn't take, you know, that they had a pledge for their candidates not to take corporate money, but that type of movement, I think the idea behind it of, you know, not caring so much about the party affiliation, but, you know, a, a core set of principles that people can sign on to, you know, that, that might have some traction. And just to echo what you were talking about earlier about the, the local leaders, I mean, I really think that that's so important that, you know, that most people don't know, like you were saying, you know, who like their local leaders are. And ultimately, those decisions that are made in those rooms and those, you know, school board, like Delthea was saying, like, that's where like the stuff that affects your everyday life is probably most likely to happen. And I think that that like sort of bottom up way of, of fixing this problem is ultimately, you know, probably the, the thing that's going to be the most productive. Correct. Especially if you look at an issue like housing, right? So gentrification is a big problem here and other cities as well. But all of the housing issues that we have here, those harms have been done by the local politicians, not by Congress, not by, you know, the presidency. It's all been done by the mayors. And I've went through three mayors that we've had that have lied to us and said they were going to focus on affordable housing, which really isn't affordable to most people here. And we just watch them continue to build up condos instead and let real estate investors come in. So if you're not paying attention to what's happening locally with your local politicians, I'm sorry, but the, the, the congressmen and the president are not going to fix those issues in your community. So that's why it's important that you pay attention to those as well. Uh, Zineb, I want to go ahead and bring you in too. Yeah. Great points about like running local and, and focusing locally because there is some, I'm going to be honest, there is some abhorrent legislation being passed by Republicans right now. And I don't support Democrats and I don't like the lesser of two evil things, but I also admit the fact that it's horrible. So I've been thinking about this, you know, what, what the hell's our options here? Like the Republicans are literally passing bad legislation. That is a fact, like dangerous shit. Like, there are states where, you know, they're pushing for kids to be able to be married at 13. That's an issue. They're, you know, the anti-abortion laws are a human rights and, like you said, Sabi, an economic issue, but it's also a human rights and one of the scariest things is the patriotic education. I read one of the patriotic education history books for Florida. It denies that racism exists. It's pro-capital. I mean, pro-capitalism, pro-police, and they want to teach our kids all this propaganda that was already in our school systems, but it's like dialed to 11, right? So that's a problem. What do we do? And so how do we get it across that the Dem party is broken without pushing people to the Republican side? Because every time this pendulum swings, one party will have all the power, right? And then they don't do anything. If you look back in history, look at how the Congress and state houses shift, right? State houses, not as much, but it does happen there. One party will have all the power and then they'll do horrible things. And then it shifts back to the other party and the pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth, right? How do we get people out of this? Because right now I'm seeing people flee the left. And go to the Republicans because we're so set in our binary ways that people are shifting right wing. You got people supporting Tulsi Gabbard and crap. That's not the answer. The answer isn't going to the Republican Party either. 
So I feel like some of our messaging sometimes where we're so hyper-focused on the Dems, we're ingraining people on the right that we're already right-wing and we're shifting people from the right to the left or from the left to the right. So I think the solution is that we go after all the politicians. We call them all out. We talk about all of them. We show up at all their offices and we have our demands and we have our policy. We don't just wait to run. We do run, but we don't just wait to run because every time I hear about incrementalism, my soul dies. You know, I know it's going to be a long slog, but at the same time, we need to be pushing them right now, no matter who they are. And that's something that Malcolm X said, Fred Hampton said, you know, doesn't matter who the hell they are, Republican policies. So I feel like even in our heads, we get to a point where we're only asking Dems to do their jobs. We should be asking all of them. We should be asking Republicans for Medicare for all. We should. Um, well, it shouldn't matter what their label is in front of their name. We should be pressuring all of them. Well, I can tell you, you know what's going to end up happening, what I predict? The way it's looking right now, like, don't be surprised. And I... the Republican party ends up implementing some of these progressive policies that the democratic party should have implemented. Don't be surprised. And I say that because I've seen this kind of thing happen before. For example, my, my uh, governor is Republican. He's not running again for a good reason, but the governor that I had before him was Democrat. So there were things that that administration, the democratic administration, people expected them to do because they were Democrats, that they never did. Like I told you guys earlier tonight about the public transportation situation. And so it's still a disaster, but he actually, actually did something. He was like, we got to get new cars in. We got to get new. He said, this whole system is falling apart. He came up with the whole plan to do it. And he did implement some of that. Like, like I said, he's not running again. <laughs> After the pandemic, he was like, what the hell? So, but he did implement it. And so this is what voters are saying. They're like, man, some of the things that should have happened under, I forget the guy's name. See, I don't even remember his name. That's bad. Under the, the former governor. But some of the things. We had Matt Bevin last time around and he was horrible. He like went against the teachers for the te teacher strike and, and he was horrible during the pandemic. And then we got Brashear in and Brashear expanded our health care and actually did a decent job with it. Um, he expanded our SNAP benefits. He increased um, state funding for college tuition. He made he made. Um, community college almost free. Like he's done a bunch of good stuff. I'm not a Democrat and I don't support Democrats, but I will give credit where credit is due. He has done some good stuff, but it was because Bevan was so horrible before that the next governor that came in, it's not really his party. The next governor that came in did some of the stuff that Bevan didn't do, you know, um, and that, that is the way it, it happens. It swings back and forth between the two parties all the time.
Right. And I think one of the big mistakes of the Democratic Party, oh, his name was Deval Patrick, by the way, the previous governor. Deval Patrick, yeah. And and he, he was another one that people really pushed identity politics and said we should vote for him because he'll be the first African. He didn't do shit. Like, it was just... So anyway, and he won uh, two terms, like, in a row. But um, I think it's, it's really important that, like, when we're looking at the policies, and this is why, like, and Roger Meadows, I, I know, loves this, but this is why, like, when I talk about ballot initiatives, when I talk about what we can do on the local level, this is why this is so important. When you do a ballot initiative, you are removing the policy from a candidate. When you remove the policy from a candidate, you remove it from a political party. So when I go to vote in November, I just see those four questions. It's not attached to uh, a candidate. It's not attached to a political party. And what will happen is people policy, not on the party. And I wish every state in the United States had that. And that is an action I think that we should like move towards. Like those of you that live in states that are not BI states, it would be great if people could organize and get something going to make your state a BI state. And it's not just blue states. And I say this because South Dakota has ballot initiative. They have Medicaid expansion on the ballot for this November that the state tried to remove. They, they tried to make it more difficult for a BI to pass and the people voted against it. So that most likely looks like it's going to pass this November in South Dakota. Florida is also a BI state. Like there's 23 of them because Roger reminded me Mississippi dropped. But this is how you can get some of those things passed. But I think it's important that we remove the policies away from the candidates. This way you remove the policies away from the parties. I'll go ahead, John. I've been talking for a while. No, no, no. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. That that pretty much was everything I had to say. So thanks a lot. Awesome. Let's bring in Miss. Oh, Miss Justice. Miss Justice, how are you? Just have to unmute. I see you there, but I can't hear you. Could be a um could be an app issue. Miss uh Justice, I'm not sure if you're using your phone or if you're using your laptop. But I think it works differently for different people. But I, I don't hear you. Roger, why don't you go ahead and chime in? You're a speaker. I want to get your take on this as well. But you'll have to mute. Oh, yeah. Well, you. I think you already know what I'm going to say. But um, I saw Brianna Joy Gray's segment today where she was just, the energy went out of her face where she was talking about, uh, is the party over? And, uh, you know, she, she looked like she needed a hug pretty much. And, um, yeah, I'll be talking about that tomorrow. Oh, oh okay. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, she was just like, I, I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. Oh my God. I'm like, someone get her a, a, a glass full of water that says ballot initiatives to reinvigorate and rehydrate her for this movement. Okay, because I am going to do everything that I can to get, um, so yeah, so to get ballot initiatives, to start getting other states to file for ballot initiatives. I already, you know what, I have a, I have a, uh-oh. 
Oh, Roger, are you still there? I think you. Roger, I think you um, disconnected. You well, you're me? here, but I think. Can you hear me now? Okay, I can hear you now. Yeah, so um, I went outside. I'm, I'm getting ready to getting ready to rush to the Adam Sandler concert. So there's going to be a lot of calls there, but, um, wait a minute. Yeah. So what I was saying, (laughs) (laughs) what you're going to the, you know, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Not to, not to party. Cause you know, there's going to be some calls there. Oh, okay. (laughs) You see what time it is, right? Ain't no concert starting now. It's about to be over. (laughs) <laughs> it's, start, it's starting to surge over there. So I'm like, you know, I just got freshened up and everything. I'm like, hey, let me get over there. I, I dropped out because I went outside to get in the car. That's why. But don't worry, the Bluetooth is not on. Um, okay. And for those who don't know, yeah, Adam Sandler does music also. Um, but what I was saying was that, um, yeah, I already have, I even got something written out for an amendment for them to put before us for us to ratify to transform us into a bi state but as far as i think the way to um i think the way for us non-bi states to um to do it is worker cooperatives we have to get the state government to provide a pathway for worker cooperatives to grow in the state and when we start growing and there's a network of us in different fields and in different industries, I'm looking for us to become um, a lobbying force surpassing unions and even on par with corporate and Wall Street, maybe even surpassing them because this is direct democracy. This is not a couple of union leaders going to speak to this politician or that politician this is not, um, you know, some corporate person, some lobbyist person or whatever the case is. I actually saw somebody when I went to when I went to Albany for the first uh, Albany is the New York State Capitol. When I went there for the first time and um, there was a guy there representing a utility cooperative. I think it was a utility. It was a cooperative, but he was representing the, uh, the cooperative in New York State. And, you know, I was asking them questions and stuff, you know, and, you know, it's, 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 you know, you could just send somebody there, whatever. But what I'm saying is become a lobbying force so strong, okay, because it's, it's now it's, repre- it's horizontalism. So it's representing all of us, not just this per this you send out one person in there like, you know, a union leader or whatever, and then they end up selling out their members. No, it this person's, re- I guess it would be a lobbyist then, you know what I mean? It represents all of us equally, all of the co-ops and push them to put an amendment before us for us to ratify so we could become a ballot initiative state. But in the meantime, um, start putting all that money, all that energy that you put toward AOC and the squad and Justice Democrats and Bernie Sanders, start putting it toward supporting ballot initiatives. This January, we got to hit the ground running. I want to start seeing all these BI states start putting stuff out there. Um, first, Medicare state version of Medicare for all. Okay. I know, well, we already know whole Washington. They're trying to get it on the ballot in 2024. Maine is going to restart their campaign to get an initiative on the on the ballot 
for 2024. Um, I'm trying to, I'm like working with, beginning to work with me, me and Z uh, in case, you know, gonna, and um, the, uh, her homie uh, Eva, gonna try to help Arizona for Medicare for All Coalition to push toward a, a ballot initiative. And I would much rather it be an amendment. And the reason being is, if you do a state law ballot initiative, and the state legislature could go, oh, we don't like it. We're going to weaken it, repeal it, you know, alter it, or whatever the case is. Now, you could always go back and do a veto referendum, but if you make it an amendment to the state constitution, they can't do anything to it unless they ask you first to put um, an amendment before you asking you what it is that they want to do to it. So I would much rather it be, Maine can't do that because they're not a ballot initiative state for amending this main constitution only for state law but um we oh i found another one um i was just this this thing called medicare for all everywhere and i was just like yeah. oh okay i but reached out to them i'm waiting to hear back okay good so i don't know if you saw the correspondence i was having with them but apparently the group there's a group in California that's going to run a ballot initiative for Medicare for all. And it's called U.S. for no, sorry, healthcare for U.S. Yeah. And oh, oh, you know, good. So, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to check that out and see what I can do, whatever the case is. Um, so I said that one instead of Arizona. I want to try to, you know, like if, if you know, like just. You know, what, whatever one it is, you know, I know if you can, I know your, your, your brother um, from Michigan, uh, Rome, like gave up on like <laughs> electoral politics or whatever, but he did agree because I put out a, a chat, I think, that was read by, e, by, by JB or somebody like someone a couple of days ago. They, they, was, they was doing a panel on something. I forgot what it was. And I put there as a listen could do a ballot initiative for to outlaw um, private equity from owning housing. And while you're at it, housing, hospitals, medical facilities, um, clinics, nursing homes, you know what I mean? So I don't know, maybe you could, you know, he got some experience on the ground experience. He knows a lot of people in, in Michigan. Uh, he used to campaign for Bernie. Well, all you guys used to campaign for Bernie, whatever the case is. You know, you might want to throw that his way and be like, yo, look, your wheelhouse is homeless. So take a look at what's causing homeless homelessness. It's the uh, it's the private equity groups. You know, Mayor Adams is in the pocket of private equity. Ain't, ain't nothing happening under him. You know, right, um, right. you know, well, I mean, it's private. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. Right. Well, I think it's really important that people just understand that, like, um, because, look, with this thing with Medicare for all. You know, we totally understand it needs to be for everyone. That's why this initiative called Medicare for All Everywhere. Guys, if you can follow them on Twitter, actually, Roger, do you still have the link? Can you put the, if you have it, I'm, access to I'm it? I'm driving. I have it, but I'm driving right now. Okay. So I can't, I can't really, uh, look at my Twitter. I mean, I know it's, the, just know. Look, at, look at my Twitter. It's, 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 it's in there. It was, you know. The, it, it, the problem is I can't copy. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. I got their site. I'll put the link in the chat to their website because you guys need to check this out. Like, um, this is something they're asking for volunteers, you guys. Yes. So that way, like, 
people and it's for every, every state. It's not just for their state. So they're trying to get it passed everywhere. So that's the big thing. And yeah. you could, we could volunteer and, and try, or we can like sit around and just wait for the federal government to do nothing. Cause they're not going to do it. I mean, Ro Khanna told me this himself in person, you know, exactly. They're, they're begging us to, you know, the, what, okay. Let me remember. I'm going to try to remember. Cause I had, I had it in front of me. Avengers age of Ultron. When Ultron was talking about vibranium and he said the most versatile metal in the world you can do anything with it and they used it to make a frisbee yep you know what i mean like you yep. got the power in your hand and you're like oh that's nice and you, have the, like, you oh. have the power they had the power in their hand to change the world and they chose yeah. to make a frisbee i thought that yes. too when i first saw that i was like that's what you made <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, we we got Obama elected because Obama had one of the highest voter turnouts in American history because he promised single payer universal health care. Right? Uh, that was the whole mandate. You know, that's what got him elected in the first place, and then we didn't get it. But I think in states, that's one thing we have to remind people with this whole state versus national thing with healthcare. I think where it comes in is that people in states that don't have ballot initiatives, I'm in a state that doesn't have one. It can get depressing as hell to think in Kentucky, there's no way this is ever going to pass, and I'm going to be without it. And y'all are asking me to come organize with you for your state, and I'm desperate. I'm desperate. That's why I think we have to be able to do both because that's why people lose hope in those states that don't have ballot initiatives because it feels right. that makes sense. Right. Yes. Well, but look, I could, I could, I have a, um, a response to that. Um, that's a valid argument. However, say, what I say is I was just going to say oh, sorry, real quick that's not what this organization is, though. This organization is Medicare for All. for people to volunteer. I think Case Study QB is here. Yeah, Case is here. Roger, really quick, um, we got Cool Blue and Miss Justice, I think, didn't get a chance to speak. Go ahead, my bad. So I let's see, um, let's let's go with Cool Blue and then we'll pivot to uh, Miss Justice. Hello? Hello, Cool Blue. Hi, am I on? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I wasn't certain. Hello to everybody. Um, I don't want to uh, say anything that's too distracting from the conversation just had. I actually wanted to add to some points that were previously mentioned in this call. And I want to read a quote. It's from 2016. Chuck Schumer, the U.S. Senator from New York, who is the current majority leader of the Senate. This was a quote that people remember. He, he said... For every blue-collar Democrat we lose in Western number of people, 
you know, progressives and any people you follow, like Jimmy Dore, they kind of like took it in as, you know, a sort of laughable thing because of they were just thinking of the strategy of winning an election. But when I think about it, I think what Chuck Schumer was really revealing there was an intention by the Democratic Party, and that's certainly nowadays, that they want to realign their coalition and lose people who are workers, lose people who are blue collar, and win over whatever they consider to be moderate Republicans. And I can tell you that the electoral map recently, the last two times that we had a party switch in the White House, Barack Obama in 2008, Donald Trump in 2016. And when you think about it, Joe Biden in 2020, they went over particular areas of the map that haven't gone for their party in decades. But also you could see with beginning with Obama and you saw with Biden, they were able to win over some counties that are used to voting Republican. And these are counties where there are people with money like in Loudoun County, Virginia, another county in Virginia as well. With Trump, what was pivotal on his map was winning, winning over in Ohio, these counties near Akron that are very much for workers. Uh, I'm trying to think what they are. The uh, county names I'm not even remembering for right now. I think one of them was Mahoning and the other one, I'm, I'm not sure, but in that area. Oh, and... I just wanted to add that you can kind of tell with the way these two parties are operating. I think the Democrats are showing more nowadays that they're really trying to appeal to the Republicans like who voted for George W. Bush in the 2000s. I look at the Democrats of today and the, the people who are of the George W. Bush Republicans of the 2000s. And, um, you know, their pro-military industrial complex, the Democrats more than the Republicans were mourning the 2018 death of John McCain. And I'm in Michigan, and there is this ex-CIA agent named Alyssa Slotkin, and now she's being endorsed by Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is trying to get Alyssa Slotkin to win another term, and she's in trouble. Slotkin is a possibly winning because a Republican may unseat her. But you can kind of see where the Republican Party is going. And if people are staying in the two-party system, I'm thinking that a lot of people who are progressives, who voted for Bernie Sanders to be the presidential nominee, You'll have some of them stay in the Democratic Party. That's what I think Justice Democrats and those anti-force-the-vote people were really all about, was to keep people in the Democratic Party. And then you'll have those people who have not been willing to vote for the Democrats, who saw right through it. If they continue in the two-party system, they're going to realign over to the Republicans. That's what I want to say. Yes, I agree. And we have had this shift in our country before. Because at one point, the Democratic Party was the conservative party. And I think people forget this, too. The Republican Party was originally a third party. So I think that the shift can definitely happen. And people need to be aware of that. Like, I see exactly what you're saying. Like, the Democrats are moving further to the right. They're not moving further to the left. So this whole idea of we'll push Joe Biden left, I never believed that. I thought that it was, it was stupid to 
for them to even say that. Because if you look at Joe Biden's history as a politician, when was he ever moving towards the left? And let's be real, we want to talk about abortion, which the Democrats are mainly running on. Joe Biden wasn't for abortion. Like, yeah, he says, oh, I think it's a woman's right now, but he wasn't. If you look at his political career, he wasn't for abortion. They talk about cutting Social Security and cutting Medicare, but Joe Biden was also in favor. get these things uh miss justice can you um i un i think i unmuted you can you hear me now i can hear you yeah hey okay um sorry about that i am um i'm miss justice i'm calling in for the first time i really enjoy your show um i wanted to Pennsylvania and um, so I uh, I am definitely voting against Fetterman um, on November 8th uh, for um, mainly because of that incident in um, Braddock uh, with the black jogger um, I I think I'm really motivated um, I, I continue to be further motivated on that issue due to um, all the persons that are defending him in other areas, um, but like you said, are ignoring that major thing. I am not quite sure how John Fetterman got to be where he is. uh, meetings and, um, sessions, uh, that when he was, you know, um, a mayor, you know, just it, it, Braddock is a very, very tiny town. Um, it's a very poor town. I know he talks a lot about, um, you know, he started out teaching GED classes, um, to, you know, black, young black people or whatever, but I'm just not sure how he, you know, no matter how many times, you know, I go through his bio, I don't know how he got to work for the United States Senator. Um, and he has very few accomplishments. But that incident in Braddock, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that with him. I am black. And um, my great grandmother moved to Pittsburgh from a Mississippi plantation. Um, and John Fetterman that for whatever reason that they chose to cho- chose to um just basically treat Braddock like it was a sundown town and you know that's that's the like the reiterating trauma that i feel like it's not just him it's just you you don't have the respect of black pennsylvanians guys and i I don't know if there's some type of legal reason why he's refusing to um, go that route, maybe. Um, But it's it's not my problem. It's the decent thing to do. Um, But I I don't want to be thinking about the terror of being chased in a truck um, by a big white guy um, for 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 what reason? 
and the police did not but the police did not um did, did not verify that there were shots in the area which is what Fetterman tried to say that he heard gunshots or whatever mm-hmm. so um you're you know you're you're holding this man against his will um with a shotgun to his chest yep and um nothing was ever done about it. nothing was said and um i'm so i'm actually voting oz um i am an independent voter um i'm voting oz this time um and i'm voting for oz he has some things that i do support and like education, um, I'm really unhappy with the um, K through 12 education um, in our state right now, all over probably, but um, it's really bad where where we are. And um, crime is is a thing right now um, in Pittsburgh. And um, uh, he has some good things to say, I think, about the university system too, about um, the pork in the university system and increased tuition for for no reason at all um that they're able to keep increasing tuition and stuff at our our state universities and public universities so i'm voting for oz i'm not ashamed of it and um i hope fetterman loses and um i just want to say i appreciate you covering that story because there aren't too many people i it's it's very rare that that even comes up um, and he hardly ever gets questioned about it. Mm-hmm. But when I like, like, so I have a question for you really quick, uh, Miss Justice. Why not vote for uh, Richard Weiss, who is the Green Party candidate? Um, honestly, I don't know too much about Richard Weiss. Um, I don't, I don't know too much about Richard Weiss. I'd actually have to, to look him up, but um, I'm probably going to vote Oz because I've heard some of his platform and um, I agree with it. And I don't think, I don't know what, like he is an accomplished surgeon. I know other people don't like him and they, you know, they keep saying that he's, you know, this or that. He's an accomplished cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, He had a long running health television show for 13 seasons um, that a lot of people followed Dr. Oz and they followed, you know, and they would come back and, and weigh what Dr. Oz was saying what with their primary care physician. So um, he's he he does have a track record. He's had actual employment, unlike John Fetterman who likes to cosplay like he's the working man. This man is a fraud. He's never had a real job. I don't consider, I'm, and I don't want to, you know, shit on uh, um, the AmeriCorps organization, which he was working at at some point, because AmeriCorps does very good things in the United States. Um, but that's really his only, like his only job before he um, became mayor of that tiny town, which by the way, most of the people in our town are living below the poverty line. Um, 
it's not, he doesn't have any real accomplishments there either. He just says, you know what I mean? So I don't know. Is like, so I, I, I did some, I did my research. Like you guys know how, I, if you watch my show, you know, I, I, be, I dig for shit. I did my research on Fetterman and Fetterman comes from a pretty well-to-do family financially. Yeah. Like he's, he's not working class. And so I get what you're saying about the whole cost playing part. And I want to add something else too. I want to be very clear here. If John Fetterman. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Even when I watched the debate, people were just so floored and impressed that he was wearing a suit. And I'm like, what is wrong with 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 us mm -hmm. as a people that, you know, that that's supposed to be the standard. That's not supposed to be, you know, something that we're so impressed. In. And then he wore the suit and he couldn't even wear that right. The shirt didn't fit like he didn't he didn't even tighten his tie was all loose and it was just sloppy. I'm like. You can't even wear a suit and look neat. You have to have some kind of slop there, some kind of way. And I just, I don't know. For me, it turns me off. I'm a middle-aged woman now. I also have a daughter um, who's, who serves in the Air Force. Um, and so I just, I can't take it. I can't, I don't get the, I don't get the attraction. I don't get the appeal. I think this man is a con artist, honestly. So, the, so I'm just curious, the abortion issue... How do you feel about the abortion issue in reference to Dr. Oz and, and what issue is most important to you? Mm, well, I think that um, for the abortion issue, what a lot of people don't understand, especially um, in, in this particular election, I know that Democrats really wanted to that to be their flagship issue after the SCOTUS decision. But they're really finding out for a lot of voters that that is not a prioritized um, issue like they wanted it to be. Um, and I know for me, it's not uh, the prioritized issue. For me, the prioritized issue in Allegheny County is crime, homelessness, um, and education. See, you guys heard that. This is what I was I was telling you guys like earlier on the show, like the Democrats focusing on abortion and trying to fundraise off of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. That is not the number one concern of people in this country case. I want to bring you in here um, as well to get your take on this. Miss Justice, I really appreciate your voice and you saying that because you guys got to hear from different people. Go ahead, Case. Thank you. Definitely one reason. Can't, first of all, can you hear me? I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. That, that, thank you for having me on. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I love calling. Cause like, I, I would love, love to get the opinion of especially a black woman who supports a Republican. This is awesome to have this dialogue, but um, I'm not sure if you miss justice. I'm, I'm curious if do you consider yourself a, a leftist or a right, a right person, or I'm just curious if you even, and if, if you don't consider yourself either, that's fine too. I'm just curious where you stand um i'm i mean like i said i've have voted i've been a democrat before i've been a registered democrat before i've been a registered republican before uh -huh. um but i i've been an independent now for years um uh -huh. and uh i think i consider myself more socially conservative but i am also um 
consider myself progressive on other issues as well um, as a black American. And um, so, so yeah, for, for, for single payer, you would you consider yourself an advocate of that? Um, I would. So I haven't gotten as involved. Like I, I'm, I've really been enjoying the conversation before I got on about Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said, it hasn't been my, you know, it hasn't been a flagship for me in the past. But mm-hmm. um, I could get behind Medicare for all. Okay, I, I was just curious. And by the way, I first got into politics through Ron Paul. Like I discovered him. And I, I would never even really consider myself a Republican, but I had to register Republican to vote for him in the primaries. But mm-hmm. then I, I uh, over and I think that lasted for maybe about a year before I found Tom Hartman, who really kind of was my uh, people talk about sheep herding. He definitely sheep herded me over to the progressive side. And that's where I am really rooted in that ideology um, mm-hmm. uh, of thinking. And I, so I would definitely. uh uh, it sounds like you're you're learning just like all of us who are are a political junk or I consider myself a political junkie and I'm learning about different things and but I do consider myself really steeped into the left uh, side of things. Uh, I will definitely look into the person that Sabrina is talking about and don't be afraid of just checking them out, see what he thinks and maybe giving him a look. Um, but I'm, and I'm not definitely trying to tell you who to vote for, but I think it's definitely good that uh, we try to look at all the options and, and decide. Cause me, I'll, I'll speak for myself again. Like I haven't, as far as them exit, them enter me personally at, at the presidential level, I voted Democrat once. That was the the very first time that I um, voted, and that was for John Kerry. And from then on, I voted Green because I was, if Ron Paul would have probably got into the Republican uh, general, I might have voted for him. I don't even know. I think my mindset was starting to shift progressive at that point, but I'm not sure. But maybe I would have gave him my vote. But I, I was progressive enough at that time in 2008 that I voted for the Green Party candidate was Cynthia McKinney, I believe. At, yeah, that was the, in 2008. That's who I voted for. And from then on, I voted Green. I have no problem voting in the um, independent. Even in my at the House level, I have a very progressive Congresswoman, Bonnie Watsman Coleman, but I will call her something a, a, possess, a, a um, passive progressive. That's what I will call her because she's nowhere to be found. Now, for Medicare <laughs> co-sponsored Medicare for all, but she's not a like an advocate. She doesn't go on savvy shows. She's I don't see her pretty much anywhere advocating for progressive um policy like Bernie does. So I've talked enough. I think I don't know if Savvy wanted to talk or Miss Justice. Go well, ahead. let's bring in um well, you know that's that's really interesting. Yes, yeah, so everyone case did not vote for Barack Obama. Case exactly. case realized earlier on before I did. <laughs> <laughs> Case was like I, this guy is not the one. I <laughs> wish I would have recognized that. Um, I was excited the first four years, but by the second four years, I was so just upset um, that he didn't pull through with the things he said he was going to do. And I said, "Well, he has to do it this time around." So I voted for him again, mm-hmm. and I'll always regret it. Now I, I think about I think back, and I wish I wouldn't have voted for him again and given him another four years. So I don't like the man now, um, or his wife, honestly. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I would 
say, Sappy, and I'll pass the mic to you real quick. I think it's important for us to educate, especially our fellow uh, black people, that who Barack Obama is. And I think um, because personally, he's on my enemies list. And what I mean by that is because he's never going to run for office again. But what I mean by that is the fact that he has enough power, enough clout that he can cause uh, um, Beto O'Rourke and all these people to drop out and endorse Biden and, and um, you know, against Bernie, who would have been a lot better, who we supported. For him to even have that clout, even when uh, George Floyd protesting was going on and he called Chris Paul, the basketball president of the Players Union, to so that they wouldn't protest, which could have caused, look at where we're, where we're at right now. He probably told Chris Paul, oh, don't worry about it. We have um, my new, the New Jersey Senator Cory uh, Booker and Tim Scott, the Republican. They're working on something. Don't worry about it. We're going to have the George Floyd bill. Don't worry about it. And now look where we're at. So anyway, I'll pass the mic back to you. I, I just want to say, and I, I'll, let, I'll let it go because um, thank you, Sabby, for giving me um, a voice tonight. But I just want to say that um, Obama is getting a whole lot more smoke than he ever used to get. Um, in interviews, uh, especially if he's talking to, um, uh, you know, more independent black media, not the, not the mainstream, but, um, if, if he's getting, if he's getting, um, if he's getting any type of audience with other black people, he's getting more smoke now than he ever used to get. I think that is changing, um, in the, um, in our demographic about the perception of who Obama is and was. I agree. I agree. Cool blue. Um, did you, were you finished with your, uh, assessment there? I want to make sure I didn't cut you off there. I think you have to unmute cool blue or maybe cool blue tapped out. Let me see if I, it'll let me unmute them. Oh, it doesn't let me unmute you. Cool blue. I'm sorry. I can't unmute you, but I am going to, I want to make sure I bring in the next caller. Cool blue was probably finished, but if not, uh, you come back around and I can make you a speaker. I'm going to bring in D, uh, but Roger, go ahead. I, I think you want to chime in here. Yeah, so three things. Um, one, Miss Justice, look at the chat. I put the platform of Richard Weiss, who's of the Green Party, who is running for to be your senator. So, you know, just look at it when you get a chance, whatever the case is. Um, two... Cool Blue, you're from Michigan. That's a ballot initiative state. Come on, what are you going to hey. do, bro? Let's do it. Oh, this is Cool Blue. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if, if he's still out there, if he could still hear me or whatever the case is. Um, he can still hear you. I think he, he, he told me in the chat that he was all set, but he can still hear you. Oh, and yes, and um, um, Z. So, yeah, like you were saying before, um, yeah, not everyone's going to want to get on board if you know, like, hey, I'm suffering here. I'm not a ballot initiative state. Um, we, we get who we can. But also, I would say the argument is uh, it starts in the states and it starts in the ballot initiative states. When those ballot initiative states pass these things, it's going to um, it's going it's going to put pressure on um, non-BI states to do it. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's nothing. Now, you know what? Maybe. Oh, go ahead. Someone said something? Oh, um, no. I just unmuted. But you go ahead. I was going to ask you a question. Oh. Um, by the way, Adam Sandler sucks. He didn't draw no crowd. 
Um, but anyway, so I'm heading to JFK because this this shit sucked. So um, uh, what was it say? So um, what we can do is oh, oh, you know what it's like. So talking about how you put pressure, the ballot initiative states put pressure on the non-ballot initiative states. Okay, so I'm gonna give you an analogy, and fellas, you probably. So, you know, when you go on that double date with your friends and then you see your friend over there, you know, the, the, the guy is doing all this great stuff for, for his girl or whatever. And your girl look at you like, why don't you do that for me? And <laughs> now the pressure is going to be put on you to do something. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, those states passed this, that, that's whatever. I look at my state legislature. What the hell's wrong with you? How come they doing it and you not? You must look real stupid, especially the fact that they're, that most out of the 23 ballot initiative states, more than half of them are red states. And this whole thing about red voters, oh, like, oh, well, that's what they want. Because I know they don't because red state voters be passing progressive stuff that their red lawmakers are trying to repeal and trying to jimmy up the process. And they're like, no, get out of here. You know, um. Right. The same same thing for Kansas, too, in reference to the abortion law. Like that was, you know, that was state action right. there that the voters right. passed. It is true. Right. Most of the states are red states that are B.I. states. Yeah. But I will say Kansas is not a B.I. state. It's it's just like every other state where the legislature puts an initiative before the voter to, to ratify. But it can't. But the voters can't initiate uh, an, an initiative. Um but they messed around and found out because they thought that their red voters were on board were on board for that, you know. So, you know, like, so yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, Z, uh, Z you was going to ask me something. Um, I was just going to say that you know it's all in the messaging too, in part because all these representatives and everyone's been that incrementalism and telling us to wait. I have a degenerative disease. I'm dying. Lots of people are, and I can't get any health care whatsoever, and that causes desperation, like in a real kind of way. I got $90,000 in medical debt. Um, I had a stroke a month ago, and I started bartending again. I don't share these stories very often, but it's real. Um, and so how do you – we need to be able to message to people who are desperate in a way that – we have to somehow be able to find solutions that help in the fastest way possible because people are dying. And so that's the reason that people get like anxious in those states when they say, well, we can all rally together and get a health care for everyone in New York. You And you live in Kentucky, for instance. Yeah, I would do it because I care about other people and I want them to have health care knowing that I won't have it and there's no way I can afford to move to the states that have it. You know what I mean? Um, so there's got to be a way that we can figure out how to message in a positive way while we're also fighting like hell to save these people's lives. We got to get out of our headspace. We got to think about power and that stuff too. But then we also need to think about immediacy because it has to happen right now because literally people are, are dying. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. And so yeah. how, can we, how can we do both? Um, well, well, we'll figure something out. But I just know that, um, I don't, you know, like, I know there's a lot of people that would, that would be willing 
to to get on board. You know, I'm not I'm, you know I'm not trying to force anybody to to volunteer or anything like that. I mean, just like Scott the the, the Noyes, I mean, he went all the way to Washington to help them out. He's from upstate. That's amazing. I love him. And he'll stand up for any state fighting for health care. And I think we all should. We all should. But we yeah, also need to figure out also how to fight right now in our own states that don't have ballot initiative. Hell, we should be going to. And if I could do it, um, I would be going to the state house every week if I could afford it and bringing droves of people with me to raise the state house for health care right now. You know, we got to be doing all the things. You know what I mean? Well, I want to make sure I bring in really quick, Roger. I just want to make sure I bring in D. So D, um, I know you're on the mic. You just have to unmute because I know you've been waiting a minute. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Roger, can you mute for just a second? Yeah. So um, a couple of things. I am voting for Fetterman because I think that the, the black jogger incident, you know, as a black man, that bothers me. I did read up in more about it more. Um, the guy did endorse him, um, but the GOP, and, and I'm surprised Miss Living in Pennsylvania, our state hasn't brought this up. They're running an explicitly racist campaign against Fetterman. So it's not like Oz is running as this sort of guy who's like a soft, who's who's a ally to the black community. He's running an explicitly, they're running an explicitly racist campaign against Fetterman for, for being basically a too soft on crime and basically an N-word lover. So I, I, I just find... The excuse of, of not voting, you know, she's a normie voter, so I'm so I'm not I'm not bashing her. I just I just have to respectfully disagree with Miss. Um, with What's that, Jenning, wait a minute, what is a normie voter? What that mean? What are you talking about? Meaning she's she's not a pundit, like a pundit, pundits and voters. I I treat differently because a lot of voters will will like a politician for a certain for a certain reason or whatever. Like I have family members that like that hate Obama, but like. Uh, you know, Pete Boot like or like Pete Buttigieg, um, but hate Elizabeth Warren. Like voters are different to me than um, than like people who are pundits, like on MSNBC or anything like that. So I'm not like I wanted to make it clear that I'm not bassing her. I just respectfully disagree with her position on Oz um, versus Fetterman. Um, but what I did wanted to say is one of the reasons I I'm not I don't think a Dem exit will happen, Sabrina. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I was just saying one of the reasons I don't think a Demer exit will ever happen is because of, ironically, the janky eaters in the world and some of these white leftists who they're all tough when it comes to Democrats. They're all tough when it comes to AOC. But when at the end of the day, they're not people who are challenging, who are doing anything revolutionary. They're people who are just uncomfortable with some of the cultural and social liberalism of the Democratic Party. And they've repackaged that into some, some sort of leftism when really it's reactionary politics, you know? And I, I would say the same thing, and I know you're friends with him, uh, who Socialist MMA interviewed today. I mean, that guy is someone who will go after AOC, but then is retweeting favorably about Elon Musk, who benefited from apartheid, you want to talk about privilege, buying Twitter. Like, that is why I think that there's never going to be a Dem exit, because we don't have a bunch of Sabrinas even though I disagree with you, but you're obviously at, you obviously have great ideas. We don't have a bunch of Sabrinas proposing the alternative of the Democratic Party. We have a lot of white leftists who just hate the Democratic Party and will even align with people like Tucker Carlson and the right against the Democratic Party instead of saying, I don't, but here's my plan to fight the right. 
I, I, I think the Janky mm-hmm. thing was so instructive. Like, you, you <laughs> yeah, you, you just need people who are going to say, <laughs> you need people who are going to say, Biden is not doing what good enough. Screw the Democratic Party, but this is my plan to fight the Republican Party. Because the, the truth of the matter is, if Republicans get, because 2024 Senate map looks really bad for Democrats, if Republicans get the Senate map and get a supermajority, gay marriage is gone. There's probably a national abortion ban. Obamacare may be gone. Trans, who knows? Trans people might be, uh, you know, not allowed to exist. They might, they're, they're talking about banning CRT. So black history may not be effectively taught. So my question mm-hmm. to any white leftist who's telling me to leave the Democratic Party is, what is your plan to combat that when it happens? And I very rarely get any answers from them other than why AOC sucks, which to me is just not good enough. That's a good point, D. Um, you know, we welcome all like opinions here. One thing I will say is um, I think this is part of the problem when you have the message that you're getting from people are people who, A, may not be a part of the working class or B, they just they're not active on the ground or C, like they don't organize. So it's like it's a little bit different for me and those of us at RBN because we're on the ground. We organize. We do activism. So that was our space first. Then we said, let's bring that online and let's mobilize, get people motivated to get out of this fucking system. So like that, I think that's the difference. Like one thing I will say has been very difficult for me. It's really hard to try to get someone who is a, I would guess, um, uh, a commentator or a leftist just in general that has not been involved in activism, it's really hard to get them to come on the ground. It's been very difficult because the reality is it's more comfortable to be in a studio. It's more comfortable just to, just to do the news. It's, it's actually more comfortable not to actually meet and talk to the people that you're, you're telling them the politicians are supposed to fight for. It's more comfortable to avoid those people, right? But I think most of us and a lot of us on this call, we are those people. <laughs> so it's like, and effectively it's like, you're, you're saying you would avoid us. So I, I think, I think that's, that's the difference. And I think that you have a point in reference to people offering some type of alternative. Now, those of us at RBN, we've really tried, we've reached out to everybody, regardless if we agree with their political views. We've reached out to everybody pretty much on the left that we had contact info for to bring them into this discussion. And oftentimes what we'll get is uh, we'll be ignored. That's usually the main one. We'll be ignored or we'll get what's called the, uh, and this is my favorite one. Um, Oh, can't right now, really busy or sorry, so-and-so, I don't have any dates available. And then you'll see them on your friend show. Those are the kind of things that are, those are the kind of things that we'll see happen and we'll know damn well they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So we'll just have spoken to our friend who has a show who said they just booked them the day before, but they told us they had no dates available. So you see, it's it's stuff like that. Like we've tried to bring people in to engage in this conversation. I agree with you about Tucker Carlson. Like I've been pretty vocal about him. I don't talk about him much on my channel because I really don't like to give him that attention. I really don't. 
but I've been vocal about him when I did talk about him and say, I think Tucker Carlson's full of shit. I've, I've always been vocal about that. So don't get me wrong. I do think that I know some people that I do know appreciate going on Tucker Carlson's like platform. If he invited me on to have give this message to 5 million people, I would, but we wouldn't be friends. And I, I think that's the difference. Cause like, I know what he's doing. I know who he is. So I think that's the thing. It's like, I think some people feel like you have to be either on one side or the other instead of just saying like, you know what? Like, no, it's not okay what Tucker Carlson is doing. Yes, Tucker Carlson may be right when it comes to some of these these war issues, right? Yeah, he's right. We shouldn't be sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. But that doesn't mean he's right on everything else. And I think right. that's the Because those same people will never say like, AOC, if you're just objectively looking at her and she's not great on everything, I'm critical of her. She's right on a lot of stuff too. Like she's not, she's not the day after a school. And this is the thing I can't get past is even AOC got backlash for going out on pot save America, which I'm not a pot save America guy, but they're right on a lot of things. Like I, I can't get it in my head that people in this movement are very, not you, but I'm talking about mainly white leftists are critical of, and, and people like Glenn Greenwald, they'll be critical of AOC but Tucker Carlson is someone who the day of the Buffalo shooting was making excuses and obfuscating. Like, I can't get that past that. <laughs> and I think black voters, if you want to think about, like, just go super class based, one of the reasons I think black voters gravitate towards establishment candidates is because they're paying attention to shit like this, where it's like, <laughs> I get a progressive who's talking about class issues over race issues, fine. But then the next thing you know, they're like, well, the person that thinks that. George Floyd deserved to die is someone we need to build a coalition with. And they're like, I'm going to just stick with what I know. So I, I, I think that those are dynamics that like, I wish that the, like, I, I wish that honestly, someone like you, people like you were more representative because I think we would do better than, than a lot of these Glenn Greenwald and Matt. I mean, I have, I, and I've said this before, like, I don't agree with, uh, I have disagreements with Glenn Greenwald, but on some issues, like I do agree with him on. I think the reason why people are so upset with AOC, with Pod Save America, is because Pod Save America heavily attacked the Bernie campaign and the progressives when they were running. And Pod Save America was telling everybody that, no, you have to go towards like Joe Biden. So... For people who knew AOC, and I wasn't one of those people, the people who were in this space and had met her and knew her, some of them had the had her on their shows, they feel some kind of way because she can go on to Pod Save America, but ever since she got elected, she will completely ignore left independent media. And that is a flaw of her and all the other progressive members of the squad. Like that's a flaw and that's on purpose. They're avoiding left independent media because they don't want to be asked these harsh questions. And Ro Khanna, of all people, he'll come on. He'll come on and get punched and kicked and whatever it is. And even he said, he's told them, like, look, it's not cool to be silent. Like, you make yourself look worse when you ignore and avoid. You have to go on and have those tough conversations. So if you look at some of these platforms like TYT, Secular Talk, uh, back when Rising was Crystal and Sagar, like 
these platforms and Humanist Report, they heavily promoted these progressive candidates. And honestly, had it not been for those platforms, I would have never known about an AOC. I would have never known about a Cory Bush. I wouldn't have known the truth about the Bernie Sanders campaign. So if it wasn't for those platforms, I don't think some of those people would have gotten elected. So those people- Well, Savvy, I booked them on those some kind of way. Yeah, so they I feel mean, some kind know, of I way. I those platforms out and now they don't want to do it. Now that they're in office, they don't want to go to the independent media anymore. Mm, but 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 it looks some kind of way though, That's true. Zineb, when Rokana will come on though. Does everybody see the problem with that? Like, so I think, so D, I think that's where the frustration comes in. And then also like, yeah, AOC may have good ideas, but AOC doesn't try to implement them. So it's easier for me to get frustrated with someone like AOC. Right. She gets talked about, but she's, like, the worst, she's the worst huh? member in Congress or something. Her, like, her she, approval ratings like 29%. Exactly. But her approval rating, ironically, that and this is, I guess, where I'll disagree with you. Her approval rating is 29% because a lot of the electorate thinks she's too left. It's not that a lot of the electorate thinks she's too right. Like Biden is going to lose the midterms because a lot of people blame spending. They've been so propagandized by this stupid mainstream media that they think Biden spending leads to inflation. So it's not going to be, oh, Biden wasn't left enough. I'm not voting. It's, yeah, this guy's crazy. And, and AOC is, again, she's a very flawed member of Congress, but if you're telling me AOC versus, you know, freaking Ted Cruz or, or Marco Rubio, I mean, it's not even a competition. It, it, it's not even a competition. I think yeah. I think the problem is, though, is that AOC lied about her background and she lied about who she was. And she took money from working class people. And I know a lot of people that were working class that canvas for AOC, that phone bank for AOC, and she wasn't who she said she was. And I think the difference is when you look at someone like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, they didn't run on Medicare for all. AOC did. And she wasn't willing to force the vote, which is the first thing that Justice Democrats were supposed to do when they got in office. So I think that is the problem. And I still make that call out to people who are listening, and I'll tell you all, and I'll say it again. And I already wrote my email to Justice Democrats Everybody needs to contact Justice Democrats and ask them to remove those progressive members from their organization because they are not following any of the principles. I went through all of them on my show. They're not following any of the principles that they signed on to. And that's a problem. And they played people. They took money from working class people to get there. And then once they got there, they're catering to the academic elite. And that's a problem. They're just Democrats at this point. Case, I think you wanted to say something, too. I wanted to say a couple more, and I'll hang up. Um, one, would you ever have, because this is probably someone, These are pro this is probably someone who most mirrors my politics, who's a public intellectual. Would you ever have Ben Dixon on, like, interact with Ben Dixon on RBN? Um, and then my second question, Sabrina, and thank you for taking my call, is, are there any politicians or people that you think could, um, if we're talking about electoral politics, like, um, people that you think wouldn't, not just Green Party candidates, but people who you think could run a serious campaign and, and win a Senate seat or something like that, that you think that the Democratic Party, whoever could elevate and they could win on a big way. So those are just my two questions. And then I guess I will hang up. So the first one, um, would I ever interview a Ben Dixon? I would, but Ben Dixon blocked me months ago and I still don't know why. <laughs> 
Actually, I think it's been over. It's actually been over a year. Ben Dixon blocked me. I think he blocked Nick. I think all of us at RBN, like basically those of us that were like, no, we can't support Joe Biden. That he blocked. Like, <laughs> so it's just so. So that's part of the problem, D, is that it's not that I won't have people on. It's that they either blocked or they won't. Um, they won't come on. And that's and so then people get upset and they'll say, well, why'd you have this person on, but not that person? I'm like, just because you don't see someone on doesn't mean they weren't invited on. <laughs> so people just woke up on like I am going to push back. And some people don't want to get pushed back. They only want to go on shows that are going to stroke their ego. And I'm not one of those people. So if they see that, they're like, oh, I'm not going to go on that show because she's going to ask me questions that are going to be challenging. So that's part of the problem. And then. And that goes the same thing for Green Party, because the Green Party candidates won recently. And I did ask them about that statement that went out from the Green Party. So I don't play favorites with that. And then in reference to anybody that I think that could run, that could really give them a big win. Like as a Senate seat. That one's tough. Um, Right now. No, I don't. I, I just. So I just I really think some of these candidates would do so much more on the local level. Like, I really think that, you know, Ayanna Presley was my city counselor. Ayanna Presley did more on the local level than she's doing now. I think Cori Bush would be more valuable as a local politician to people in Ferguson than she is right now because she's limited in Congress. She's the only one that still stands for defund the police. And they told her not to talk about it. So I think like, that's the thing. I think some of these people will be better on the local level. Uh, but Case, I think you wanted to chime in. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. Thank you. Um, I wanted to talk to touch on what you were talking about earlier about the politicians. And, um, you know, when we talk about corporations, we have our slogan, people over profits, right? When it comes to politicians, we have to say people over careers, Right. Their political careers, because and I think I saw this in somebody put this in the like the chat like the other day. And I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Like We have to ask uh, like these are they're not going to tell us straight up, but these people who are running and saying they're progressive. Like, are you running for narcissistic reasons or are you running because you truly want to affect the people? Right. And we're finding out the fruit of that answer when you don't go to the people via independent media you know whether and if if aoc went on tyt every week and talked to the people i wouldn't even be that mad at her because at least i know at some point the question would come up hey why did you vote this way why did you vote that way you know but she refuses to even go on the very place that was the media outlet for the justice democrats she, I, I truly believe she wouldn't be getting um, protested the way she would. She'd probably be getting protested for other reasons. But to get protested by saying, please, can you answer this question? Why are you voting for war funding for Ukraine? Like, it's, it's sad that it even came to that point that you have to be protested to be asked that question. I perfectly, per- totally agree with you when you talk about Ro Khanna and how he goes. At least he, he goes Every, I see him on Fox News. I see him on Fox Business. I see on see him on Savvy Sabs. He just he was on MSNBC with um with with, with what's her name? 
avoid rule the other day. Like this man goes everywhere and he answers the question. Now you might not like the answer, but he is, he treats us like adults. And I wish more politicians would do that. And the last thing I'll say is I actually found this out firsthand when I was uh, working on my People's Gauntlet initiative. Like I, I uh, there was a meeting that I had set up by um, somebody that joined the People's Gauntlet. And I was to totally thankful for her that I was able to have a meeting with Marianne Williamson. I spoke to her on the phone for about like five minutes before she said, okay, I'll have you on the meeting. It was a call with all her, um, all the, the people that she endorsed, her slate of endorsements, including Christina Livio, who I know you know. And uh, Christina Livio is also a champion of the People's Gauntlet. And I spoke to like 15 different people who are progressives, so-called progressives running for office. And I presented them this idea, right? So there, there were two types of people when I presented this idea to them. There were, one was the people who caught the vision exactly of what I was doing. Okay, you have a vehicle where I have to speak about Medicare for all, police reform, like a whole bunch of detailed topics. Wow, you know what? There are even people that say, you know what? I don't, I didn't even know about that, but I'm gonna look it up just so that I can answer it on my people's gauntlet. So they cared about even progressive um, policy to find out about it, to then have an opinion on it. But there were a whole other class of people who I know were doing this for narcissistic reasons. Why? Because they, they didn't catch the vision. They actually, they asked, well, what do I get out of doing this? How much money can I raise if I did the people's gauntlet? And that's 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 one of the questions that I got. And I know that not everyone asks questions in that way, but and some people might have just been legit busy. So I don't want to discount that is either, because I'm sure when you're running for office, you're very, very, very busy. But I gave I give a lot of credit to if you go to peoplesgauntlet.com and you see the people that's on there and there's even other people who didn't finish their gauntlets, but they started it, which is I, I'm thankful for those people as well. These are the true people that really had it in their heart to be for the people. And I'll give you back the mic. Thanks so much for saying that case. I think that's important to note too. Like you were able to weed out the people that really genuinely cared and those that were just kind of there for uh, image purposes or what they could gain for their self. It looks like um, Delthea is back. I'm going to unmute you, Delthea. And I think Bad Cookies told me they were in line after you, but I, I made them a speaker. So you just have to unmute. Or maybe not. I, I think Delthea, I thought Delthea said she had to go to work. Maybe, um, Roger, you didn't get a chance. I know you were going to say something and then we got cut off. You just have to unmute Roger. All right, so I'm going to say this real quick because I'm about to pick up a customer and go on an hour-long ride. Um, so my, my plan to see what we can do with the New York Health Act is, you know, there's enough, we have enough co-sponsors in both chambers to pass it, but leadership refuses to bring it up because union leadership, like I told you before, um, owns stock in private health care. And they make bank selling it to their members. And they're big donors to the Democrat Party in New York State. New York State is a big labor state. I mean, we're a big corporate state, too. I mean, we've got Wall Street here, whatever. So the only thing I could think of is scare the living crap out of the leaders and just and, and 
go to their district in Yonkers and in the South Bronx, Speaker Heasty and Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and just educate their peoples about the New York Health Act. Because most people don't most people don't even know about the New York Health Act. Most people don't know who their state lawmaker is. You see what I'm saying? So my thing is to try to educate educate them, and then maybe someone will be like, wait a minute, our senator or speaker is the leader, and she won't bring it up. She won't bring it up. Later for that, I'll run against her. You know, you know what I mean? So they don't have to win. They just got to scare the living crap out of them to where they'll bring it up to pass. You feel what I'm saying? So, you know, that's... Well said, well said, Roger. And I will say this too, like, that's really important for people to know is that about bringing it to the floor for a vote, we had that same problem here in Massachusetts where, like, for people who are not aware, we do have a Medicare for All bill in the House in Massachusetts. It's been there for a bit. And there was one person, uh, Cynthia Friedman, who refused to bring it to the floor for a vote. And so, and oftentimes, like, this is what... Huh? She's the leader? I don't know. The I, wouldn't say necessarily, I wouldn't say necessarily she's a, she's basically they needed a certain number of votes to bring it to the floor. Got it. I thought she was in leadership. My bad. She might be. I have to double check. I forget. It's been a while since I talked about it. But I think the thing is, is that sometimes it could just be one person. Right. That is preventing mm-hmm. that from happening. And I think what's mm-hmm. important to note, too, is about when you look at the suburban communities, this is what, what they're targeting now, right? Like Joe Biden won the suburban communities in Massachusetts. You can see the difference. Yeah. You can see the people that voted for Bernie Sanders and the people that voted for Joe Biden. If I pull up yeah. the state map, I might do that tomorrow night. Pull up the state map like the suburban communities oh. voted for Hold Joe up. Biden. Night Rider. Oh, Delthea, can you I don't know if you wanted to speak. Can you unmute? Maybe I'll just invite you to speak. But in the meantime, go ahead, Bad Cookies. You just have to unmute. Uh, good evening, Seb. Hello. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Mr. Fetterman here. And uh, I'll speak with you later. Okay, Roger. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Roger, uh, Roger Fetterman, uh, John Fetterman, and... Um, how I think it's it's the plan for the Democratic Party to lose, and I I I believe uh, a good point to support my theory is uh, what Zainab said earlier about how um, voters start feeling very very desperate when they start seeing the awful things that the Republicans will do to you. I like to I like to. Um, I like to call it a uh, the democratic racketeering ring because what they do is they they sit there and they 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 almost uh, extort you like hey give us your votes you're going to vote for us and we'll do some nice things for you like now and then but we're really going to screw you over we're going to get what we want and we'll we'll throw you some crumbs you know the usual DNC game and then they're like if you don't vote for us we're going to let the republicans at you and they're going to come and break your kneecaps you know that's how they do you. That's 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 their game. Hey, vote for us, or we're gonna unleash the hounds on you. And like Zainab uh, Zainab touched on it perfectly earlier when she was like, "Well, if if we let the Republicans have their way in in uh, I believe she said Kentucky, they're gonna do all kinds of awful things." 
But then the Democratic guy will come in and compare to the Republican. He looks all nice. You know, it's the same shit and shit sandwich comparison. It's like it, it's the game that they're playing. And I think Fetterman was trying to play the same game, too. It, it doesn't work for him because it's the same shit sandwich and people realize it with him. It's real fake with him. And I think it just sticks out with him. And that's all I want to say. I think those are good points as well. You know, maybe the plan is, and I'll be honest, if they lose, like in the midterms, then they have that as an excuse. Well, we couldn't pass legislation because we didn't have control of the House and the Senate. Remember Barack Obama used that same excuse? But he would always leave out that he had control of the House. I'm trying to remember there were 59 seats in the Senate. 59 seats, I think Democrats had. Uh, I think if you count Lieberman, that would be 60. But I think Lieberman was an independent. Uh, Casey, feel free to jump in and, and correct me. But even Rokana admitted like what they should have done back then during that time is they should have abolished the filibuster. They did not do that. Uh, when Obama ran, he said that the first thing that he would do was to codify Roe v. Wade. Then he came up with the excuse that he didn't have the votes because of Joe Lieberman. It's always someone, there, there's always a scapegoat, right? They always have someone to point to. So we went from Joe Lieberman to we can't do it because of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. Like there'll always be a scapegoat. But even Rokana admitted to me what they could have done is they could have abolished the filibuster. They did have the votes for that and they still didn't do it. So this is just a game. Paula Jean into office, but instead of getting Paula Jean into office um, when she was running against Manchin and Shelley Marcapito, they actively worked against her race so that they could have their rotating villain. Now, Republicans suck, too. That's where the confusing part comes in. People get confused and then they want to run to the Republican Party. That's dumb as hell, too. Sorry, not not trying to offend anyone. But the Republican Party is not going to be any better. I'm old enough to remember the majority flipping every other cycle. The Republicans would have the majority and then everyone's like, Republicans are the worst. They're horrible. And then the Dems get the majority and everyone's like, the Dems are the worst. They're horrible. That's because they're all bad. But they protect each other. They got to have those villains just like Hillary Clinton. The, the, the Republicans protect Hillary Clinton, believe it or not. Even though they act like they're against her, they protect her because they need their rotating villains too. And, you know, Manchin is a rotating villain. So they worked hard to simp for him and they did everything they could to work against Paula Jean when she was running because they couldn't have a real candidate in office. They had to have their villain. Well, see, you you guys, then it's perfect because you guys see where I'm coming from on this situation. Then it, it's a it's a game that they already have planned out. They've had this planned out since uh, Biden was elected, I believe. Because they knew this time was coming. They, they've known for years now that the red wave, quote unquote, was coming. They've planned for it. I think they know very well they're going to lose and they want to lose just so they can sit there and say, oh, we can't do anything anymore. The Republicans are there. They're just going to obstruct. That's it. right. And That's it, right. That's like, right. I want to assure before I go to you, I wanted to bring in Case because I think Case had. Case, I think you unmuted and you were going to say something. But um, in reference to what Zineb said about Paula. It's very true, because let's be real. If Paula was there and Nacho Mansion, come on now. You, you guys see the difference? But no, they didn't want to put 
that much focus on Paula Jean Swearingen. Mm-hmm. The people who were the real working class candidates didn't win. And that's what I want people to understand. The real working class candidates did not yeah, win. I just want to say a, that. A lot, most of the focus, of, like I said before, was um, on AOC. And look at where we are now. But Paula Jean Swearingen should have been given just as much attention as uh, AOC was. Go ahead, Case. But one good thing about the Tea Party was that they were so um, in opposition to Barack Obama that he couldn't even collude with John Boehner, who was speaker at the time, to um, decrease Social Security and to do other Republican agenda. So not only did they have the, not only were they not doing a progressive agenda, and they were using those people like Joe Manchin as a cudgel not to do it. They were going to the right and doing their agenda. That's all I want to say. Yep. That's right. That's what I was saying. Like I, that was the thing with with Obama. He wasn't going to be much better. Yeah, and see, uh, wanna, like I uh, said, like hi. the people say, Obama didn't have the seats. He did have the seats for two years. For two years, and in the clip, we're like, "Oh, we can't do it because we and don't have the, the seats." Go ahead, Ashura. Democrat, and I'm like, if you're accusing her as a normie Democrat because she goes left or right, aren't you also a normie Democrat for basically voting Democrat and then going for Fetterman and saying that? Uh, you're okay voting for Fetterman, knowing what Fetterman did, and then say that the ra- you're running a racist campaign against them. Like, Fetterman's not black, so how are they running a racist campaign against them? Even if it's what they did, is just Apple research. Because you're not going to convince... Just let me finish. I'm just, you're not going to convince someone to basically do the right decision if you're going to. That's a good point, also. Say you're not I think antagonizing that... them, but you kind of do yeah. in their tone. And I, um, I think I, I would say that uh, uh, when it comes to Fetterman, Fetterman's not not going to do anything. Like Fetterman, basically, he, he he basically tried to. I don't know if he didn't want. He wanted to kill the guy, but Fetterman is okay sending money to uh, Israel. And where do you think Israel is going to basically shoot their weapons at? Palestinians. Right. And this this is my problem, though, Ashura, when people say, well, yeah, I know he has that view on Israel, but he, you know, he agrees with 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 canceling student loan debt. OK, so you're willing to sacrifice the Palestinian people just so you can get someone from your party in. Is this where we're at now? We're willing to tell people, hey, vote for the guy who chased down a black say, jogger. Who's willing to sacrifice the Palestinian people? I know those things are bad, but at least he's for Kansas New Longside. And we need a Democrat to win because the Republicans are so much worse. (laughs) The 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 Republicans, they'll show you the entire hand who they are. They don't care if they fucking lose the game. They know they're going to win it at at the end of the day. It's like uh, Jimmy said it before where Republicans can be in office, but you're going to have massive opposition when they're in power. But when Democrats are in power, where's the opposition? Nowhere to be seen. 
That's why uh, uh, Jimmy said that when when Republicans want to basically pass their bills, they wait for a Democrat to come in, and the Democrats will pass all their fucking bills, all their all their fucking judges, like get a, all the judges that Trump had, like the left leftovers who they who passed who passed those judges, the Republic the Democrats. Right. That's right. I mean, it's, it's both parties work together to not actually do anything for working class and poor people to keep the current class structure in place that we have to make sure that wealthy people remain on top and the people on the bottom remain on the bottom. So when I tell people that both parties serve corporate interests, this is exactly what they do. So they're in agreement when it comes to that, they, also they have may, a be, disagreement they on may the have a disagreement one. when it comes to some of the social issues. Know, uh, Democrats but don't when it give comes any, any to the, black people, the class power dynamics, but Republicans they have don't have to. They'll force if you force their hands of them. They see they might lose. They'll probably throw some tangibles your way, but Democrats are not going to throw tangibles your way to get your vote. They're going to just basically uh, shame you scare you to death to go to the polls. Right. I think I think a big part of it is like again like I'll tell you guys like cuz I know people who are Republican, not people who are Democrat and independent. And I know people that just don't care about politics at all and do not participate. And I gotta say, like for my family members that still live in Baltimore, if I go like to their neighborhood, they're not voting. They yeah. don't. They they never voted. Stuff. They don't believe in it. They don't think that. They look around at their surroundings and their community, and they see that voting doesn't help improve anything in their community. And I think what people need to understand. Yeah, I think what people need to understand is we need to start asking ourselves who is actually going to the polls. And I say that because whenever you look down the look at the breakdown of the demographics of who's actually voting, notice they have this category that says On the college side? educated, high school okay. educated. The majority of people who are voting are those who are college educated. So what does that tell you? No, yeah. I, I know most people who on all of them, Republicans, actually, the majority of people that voted for Trump, there is a mischaracterization. MAGA is not blue collar working people. Most of them statistically are wealthy suburbanites. Yeah, but Savvy, you make a really good point that I talk about all the time. And that is that we cannot base our assumption of where people are in the country based on red state, blue state, voting records. Because like AOC is a great example. Most people don't know. She only needed 16,200 votes to win. The lowest turnout district in the entire country. That's why Justice Democrats threw everything into her campaign because they thought, like, Apologene needed 230,000 votes to win. Cori Bush needed um, 182,000 votes to win. AOC only needed 16,300 because of voter turnout. So 
we're always talking about things and mainstream media has this program to think in the way of looking at the voters when the majority of the country don't vote and the majority of the country aren't they don't support either party already. We don't have to convince them to hate the Democrats uh, or the Republicans because most Americans already can't stand either one. But we're so focused on just the ones who turn out to the polls that we're not seeing the full picture. That's a really good point. And even when it comes to uh, African-Americans, Ashura, the majority of African-Americans don't vote. So like that's that's the big thing. The majority of working class people don't vote. And part of that's because, number one, Election Day is not a holiday here in the U.S. like it is in some other countries. And number two, people have to take off time from work to go vote. And not everyone's employer is going to let them do that. Like, especially like if you're working at a mom and pop restaurant, you're waiting tables like you may not get that opportunity to be able to take off a whole day so that you can go vote. And some of these places, people are standing in line eight, 10 hours uh, just to vote. It's absolutely my, my ridiculous. Question, so I think that my question I have this is the is problem. It. These are the people who are making the decisions. The majority of people who are coming out to vote are those who are college educated. And so it gives the false, I was gonna say, I was just gonna say it gives a false representation of the country because when you see these polls on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, the representation that you see, it makes it seem like the majority of the country wants this person and that person when the majority of the country doesn't even vote. It's it's a specific so it academic that, um, class the that is making the decisions for everybody else. For them, but and this is why vote. we need to have something but for people on the Republican who are working side, class and people who are poor. A clear, like, you got the poor, broke, Dirty white, dirty whatever excuse the on on the Democrats they want to call the Republicans, dirty broke white whatever the fuck they look like people poor people. Yeah, and that's not even true. It's the rich people here that vote for the Republicans. It's the rich people all across America. I've talked to 35,000 voters. I've counted them up. I went back because I, I have a log, a sheet that has all the voters I've talked to. Most of the people I called that were voters, were registered voters, were upper class suburbanite people. The ones that voted for Trump, upper class suburbanite people. The ones that voted for Bernie. This is the upper managerial class, not just regular managers, not just, these are people that make, you know, $120,000 a year. And so, no, that's a mythology that the mainstream media has fed us that Republicans are the blue collar workers. It's a lie. It's not true. Most of the people, 60% of the country, um, consider themselves independent. Only a quarter of the country consider themselves affiliated with either party. It's such a steep minority that if we hyper-focus on one party over the other, we don't want to shift those independents from one party to another. We want to give them another okay. thing to vote for or something else to organize around other than electoral politics or local politics. Or we want to shift the focus away from both parties. That's right. And another thing, too, in reference to... Uh, sure, the comment you had about the Democratic Party. The reason why some people think that about the Democratic power, the Party, like, oh, they're, they're for a working class, is because at one point in time they were. 
at one point in time, it was the Democratic Party that said, let's pass like Social Security, uh, the New Deal, uh, let's think, pass uh, like, you know, let's implement win? Medicare for all. At one point in time, it was that way. But in my entire lifetime, the Democratic Party has not been that way. Yeah, because I don't know. I've seen several different polls. I mean, Cool Blue told me about a new poll tonight, which I didn't know about that one. But that poll showed that that poll showed that Oz was in the lead. And I saw a poll this morning that showed that Fetterman was in the lead. But the thing is, is this those polls shouldn't even be as close as they are. That's how bad the candidates are. And this is the same thing that we saw with Trump versus Hillary. Those polls should have never been that close. That's how bad of a candidate, and I still say this, like for someone like Hillary Clinton, who had the political experience, how do, how are you beaten by a reality TV star? That's how bad it was. And I think, you know, that's that's something I think that the, the DNC did not really listen to. They really believed that she was going to be the big winner. She was going to be the candidate. She was already slated, by the way, to run. After she lost in 08 to Obama, she was slated to come in next. And I don't think they realized just how many people in this country really disliked the Clintons. Either and Oz so they were like, yeah, Hillary's a shoe-in. She'll be the first female president. She thought that day, too. Probably get the establishment and then Donald Trump team. beat her. They'll get their, 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 their mockingbird that will sing for them. Um, I don't think Fetterman's going to do anything. Uh, I don't think Oz is probably gonna, not going to do anything. I'm pretty sure they're going to be just... Like AOC, don't say anything. Just be in the background. Wait five years. Get your pension. And you're good. As for uh, the polls, I saw CJ was doing a video, uh, to, a live video, and he said that the polls are kind of off on the CNN part. When he, he had them on CNN, but on the other sides, like the polls were a little, bo- a little bit more uh, on the Republican side. Some some on the CNN CNN basically showed that they were neck and neck. Mm-hmm. CG was like, "Nah, they probably live. They probably fudged the numbers a bit." Kind of, I remember they did that once on CNN mm-hmm. when they because it was uh, Bernie against uh, it was Bernie against uh, what's her name uh, Elizabeth Warren, where they basically took uh, Bernie's mm-hmm. numbers and gave it to Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, and there's all other kind of Did things you, I saw them do too, as well. I mean, I remember when they repeatedly he, left Andrew Yang make, off the list of candidates for cut? president for 2020 on MSNBC like, I think he made multiple times. By that, the way, uh, I'll be talking to him on the debate stage in November. Uh, he'll be coming on. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't see how the debate. I don't, I don't. I don't see how uh, they the did Democrats this three or times. even CNN could probably three times think that they announced there is a they way for the Democrats running to, and they left to win because I think they're going to lose. Because how can it be this close? It's like two twelve versus two twenty. You're in the lead, and they're like eight points behind. Like that's that that that's not uh, that's not something to be proud of. Like that's an easy jump. All they need to do is keep hammering at people who are gullible to believe that they're going to do something. And Joe Biden's going to do his shit by pumping the war in Ukraine, sending more money overseas, 
and not do anything to help you in the U.S. And probably those numbers are going to go down. And it'll be a shocker when they find out that the Republicans basically now have the House and the Senate. And Joe Biden is like going to be a sitting duck. And Joe Biden's probably going to go along with it because Joe Biden has no problem with wars. Well said, well said. I do want to um, just interject here and say happy birthday to Case Study QB. I, I saw the comments in the chat, so happy, happy birthday. birthday, Case. Thank you so much. My wife just called me at, at midnight, so I didn't even realize it until she called me and told me yes, that. But I really appreciate you and all the love. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Getting too old for this. <laughs> yeah, thank you, everyone. All right, Ashura. Was that all set for you? Oh, Ashura just dropped. Okay, let's bring in uh, Brady. You are the next caller. Just have to unmute. What's up, my people? Thank you all so much for doing this. That's some good news and some vital information for you all. The good news is that we're going to be hosting the, finally, we're going to be hosting the third party debate with Delilah Barrios against Greg Abbott and Beto O'Rourke. Delilah Barrios is the Texas Green Party candidate for governor. And so we're going to have our own third party debate. We're going to host it right here on Colin. And we were going to do the video one. We had a hard time getting all the logistics together. We figured uh, time is valuable. So we're just going to do an audio version here on Colin to start. But we wanted to ask, what was the video platform that you were using? You and Zinya had some really good uh, video platform recommendations, and I had them written down, and we lost them, and I haven't been able to find them. So I was hoping y'all can drop those recommendations for us again. And um, I, I just wanted to say that this episode in particular is a breath of vindication for me. I spent the whole week fighting against echo chambers. It's been like the theme of my entire week. And there's this really interesting article I'm going to drop in the link um, from Pew Research or something like that. Oh, it it left. I don't have it anymore, but I'll drop it later. Um, but it talks about the danger of echo chambers, how they're formed by Internet bubbles, uh, by the algorithms and the danger involved with. Uh, how do you say echo chambers? And um, so. Um, talking to other people again from the other side of the aisle is super productive. I've had a lot of success with that. Um, and one of the problems I've been experiencing a lot myself, including tonight, I had an, a meeting with decriminalized nature. We're trying to get psychedelics legalized in Texas. And every time I presented a new idea to the group, I got like so much pushback, especially from the males. You know what I'm saying? And it's like every time I presented a new idea to the group that was like something that would push the, the actually productive, you know, um, I get a lot of pushback and um, there's actually a word for it. It's xenophobia. I thought you might find it useful for yourself. So there's a definition of that word I posted in the comments and then a really beautiful quote from this woman, um, Margaret Heffernan. Uh, she said, a thinking partner who isn't an echo chamber. How many of us dare to have such collaborators? 
And so I really want to thank you for exactly what you're doing here today. It's highly productive and uh, make sure to tune in. I think this Sunday we're going to try to drop that third party debate, if not later this week. So um, thanks for everything you're doing. And I'm going to drop a link to that article in the chat and then I'll pass the joint. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brady. Um, the platform that I use is called StreamYard. And there's there's so many different ones. But um, you can use StreamYard, OBS. Yeah, although I, I will warn you, a long time ago. if it's I'll your try first time, Thank you so much. OBS might be a little funky. Like I know people that had problems with. OBS. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Notori. Let's go ahead and get your take on Fetterman and Oz and Dim Exit. Hello, Sammy. Greetings. I want to break down the Democratic Party like a fraction, but first I want to talk about Republican Party. I don't like Republicans, and I would never vote for them. I do give them credit because Republicans will tell you they don't like your ass. They don't care how racist or crazy their policies are, but they will do whatever their base tell them to do. Democrats would never. The Democrats are trying to make it seem like it's all about abortion rights. I do care about abortion rights, but most people in this country at this day and time is worried about putting food on their table, making car payments, and keeping a roof over their head. The Dems been in office for almost three years. Now they want people to go out and vote for them. It's just crazy to me. If we um voted for them, will they do this? They want to do this and do that. That's BS. I feel like if they wanted to do something, they would have already done it already. They don't give a fuck. That's how I feel. That's a good point. That's a good point, Notori. Um, that's the thing about in reference to like the the abortion rights and. I still remember, like, you guys probably remember, too. Remember when they first, the Supreme Court first overturned uh, Roe v. Wade? Mm -hmm. And, like, immediately, I got a text message from the Democratic Party saying, please donate to us to help us keep Roe v. Wade in place. I'm like, motherfuckers, you guys could have codified Roe v. Wade decades ago. How dare you? How dare you email me? Like, email me and text me at the same time, not even minutes after they overturned it, asking me for money during a year where people are suffering from the inflation, like the, the prices, the gas prices. This was when the gas prices were still crazy. They're asking us for money. Give you money to do what? Right. It just pissed me off because they're trying to make it seem like they doing everything for the people. They ain't doing shit. Like it's like people are working and groceries are growing up. I don't care if it's like well, it's going up in North Carolina because stuff that's um used to be like real dirt cheap, it's like four or five dollars now. Like eggs and stuff. That's crazy. Yes. But I don't buy bread. Like I used to buy um I used to buy bread because I used to make like sandwiches for like lunch. I haven't bought mm -hmm. bread in a couple of months because even bread is expensive now. Yeah. I don't buy milk, but I can do without that because I don't drink milk. But um, eggs, the prices of eggs, $7 for eggs. Mm -hmm. Like it just like this is ridiculous. Like I'm like, you guys, like, are you not looking at the grocery store prices? But again, like I said, the congressmen and senators, like they're not affected. They make good money. 
I sure as hell don't make what they make. And I don't get speaking fees. Do you guys get speaking fees? Do you have book deals? Because I don't. You know, and it's just, and and I, I have college education. I have a master's degree. I'm still not making what they're making. And I definitely damn sure don't have the benefits that they have either. And that's the thing. There's no sense of urgency for them. What if the congressmen and the senators had to take the same salary as Shama Sawant? Shama Sawant doesn't take the full city councilor uh, salary. And that's how you get a politician who actually wants to help the people versus a politician who just wants to be a politician and wants to move up and have some type of a celebrity brand. Do you see the, the difference? We need, we need people. And, and this is the thing. This is how you can tell if people are serious or not about helping the people. If they're that serious, Bernie Sanders, for example, is a millionaire. If he's that serious, would Bernie Sanders cut his salary in half? I don't hear anybody. I guess that's a no. Same thing. That is one thing I will say that notice how Trump made that statement. Trump said, I'm not going to take the presidential salary. So it's like, why can't we find people who are willing to make that type of sacrifice? Because if you find those people, those are the people who really care about actually helping the people and don't necessarily care about their political career. What if congressmen had to had to make or had to live off a of minimum wage? How would they do? What if they had the same health care plans that all of us have? How would they do? What if they didn't have health care? This is the problem. There's no sense of urgency for them. None. There's also no accountability. You talked about Justice Democrats, you know, like brand new Congress. Okay, you know, when we launched, some people say sometimes, why don't they sign a pledge? And I'm like, ah, we have them sign a pledge. But if the organizations they sign the pledge under these people that give them the rubber stamps aren't willing to hold them accountable, then nothing's going to happen. I mean, that's why one of the reasons I lost my job at brand new Congress is I was saying maybe we should drop AOC from the slate. And this was in 2020. And then if you look at their slate right now, there's all kinds of like basically corporate candidates on there and they're not holding anyone accountable. The whole purpose of that was to hold them accountable. So we can't rely on organizations to hold them accountable. I mean, we have to hold them accountable. What I said at the beginning of this election cycle is don't give any money and don't volunteer any of your time because even when they're wealthy, even when they do that, corporations can only donate so much to them. They rely on our small dollar donations. They do. They still rely on our small dollar donations. We shouldn't be giving them any damn money. Um, and we shouldn't be going and volunteering for their campaigns and stuff because they, they're not going to do anything. I mean, we basically have to boycott them. And like Savvy said, run at the local level, run at the state houses. I asked that question when I joined Savvy. I said, why aren't we running anyone at state houses? Why aren't we running, you know, locally? Because that could make a difference. I made that same argument at, at the People's Party. And they wanted to run a presidential candidate and they want to run Congress, members of Congress. And I kept saying, let's run locally because that's where the sh change is going to happen. And that's what Kasama talks about, too. But um there is.
is no mm-hmm. accountability for them. And there is no sense of urgency as soon as they get up there. And what makes me so mad is I have those conversations with Corey Bush. You know, I told these candidates that ran a bunch of good ones lost. And I feel like they know the ones that they can let through the door. You know what I mean? They know Jamal Bowman's more safe. They know that AOC is safe. So they let them in. So we got to be suspicious when they win because, you know, uh, the machine's not going to let anyone in that uh, isn't uh, that they can't persuade easily. What's the difference between having Jamal Bowman in Congress right now and having Elliot Engle in Congress right now if they're both supporting Israel? And I, I, you know, it's something I was thinking about. If they're both like voting for the same policies, what is the difference? You know, and and Jamal Bowman, like DSA, they were they were actually contemplating removing Jamal Bowman from DSA mm-hmm. because he was supporting Israel, and that's not, you know, that's that's against their their organization. That's one of the things that they have. If you guys ever get a chance, if you go online, because I'm not going to tell you to buy a DSA handbook, if you go online, you can look at the DSA handbook and it tells you all of like their policies and things like that. But at one point, I think I did a video on this last year, they were calling for Jamal Bowman to be removed from DSA because he went to Israel yeah, yeah, and visited oh Netanyahu. I forgot about that. Which and was against what, what against the, one of their policies. Like a lot of the brand new Congress candidates and Justice Democrats candidates were asking that Primilla and Rokana be dropped off the slate because Rokana was out there endorsing Joe Manchin. He was out there, you know, talking about Medicare for all light when we were doing our massive Medicare for all push. So why did Justice Democrats, I asked them back then, I was like, why the hell do we have Primilla Jayapal and Rokana on the slate? I was like, you're already starting out saying that you're going to have accountability when you've got two shills on your slate um, from the jump. I think it would be interesting, you know, petitions are something that we can do on our own, right? What if we started a petition to ask them to remove, to remove them? Cause seriously, like Pramila Jayapal, this isn't the first time like we came at her, right? Because it's not just this retraction of the Ukraine letter. I think it was, I'm trying to remember if it was last year or a couple of months ago. Something else happened and it was her. Oh, the Nina Turner thing. <laughs> People came at her for that. Remember when she endorsed Chantel Brown? So mm-hmm. if we made like a list of all the things that they've done that actually go against the principle of Justice Democrats, what if we started a petition and got people to sign it and say, look, we got like a thousand signatures. You need to remove them from Justice Democrats. Hmm. With that, but we should wrap brand new Congress into that one. And it's not a personal vendetta. It's because brand new Congress was supposed to be running independent candidates, third party candidates, and they weren't even to reform the Democratic Party. That wasn't even their purpose. And so I think we should go after both of them together because they were launched by the same people. But I love that idea, Sabby. That would... <laughs> That's something we could do. Vindication for I'm all of them. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do it, but that's something we could do when, like, I didn't realize that about brand new Congress, that they weren't supposed to reform. So that's a problem there. You're adding people from brand new Congress to Justice Democrats. 
You know? So can I ask you all a question? And and this is where I find a lot of value in these call-in shows because we, we're lit- literally like strategizing together. Um, and this is why I also asked Zainab to come or, or Zainab to come on the show with me the other day to the Medicare for All political, I mean, the Mutual Aid Political Party. Uh, I want to ask you if if it was up to you and you could have recreated um, brand new Congress, would you creating the bylaws where you can uh, call for a vote among all the members to say, hey, I want to put a a vote if we're going to continue to support such and such. So, for example, um, Jamal Bowman, which is the example we're using right now, if he was endorsed by brand new Congress and and Zayna, you was part of, um, so part of brand new Congress, and you see that what he's doing and, and his turn towards establishment as a, a single member can any you know we would you put that in the bylaws that any single member can call for a vote and it has to be passed by majority that that person would be endorsed or not endorsed and i'm asking this because when i have teams you know under the mutual aid party i want to have uh, people to be able to create teams and teams would be their own organization and maybe they can do that, implement that within their own teams. Or I'll, I'm just curious. Go ahead, Zena. I talked enough. Well, two things. One, I did suggest a vote to keep people mm. on the slate um, to send out to our supporters. So that was something that we suggested in our petition that I got fired over. You know, we were trying to fight fight for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the organization, but we were also trying to fight to hold accountability for these candidates and to not back corporate, corporate candidates. So that was happening and to support more independence. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But yeah, that was something that we were considering. But one of the things that we did do that I think was unique and really cool and was different than Justice Democrats we called for national nominations for candidates. So we called for national nominations. And so people like Anthony Clark was nominated by their communities. And Savvy, I know you and I have talked about this before. There was such a massive difference between the people we recruited to run that were community members working within their communities that we had to go out and recruit and talk them into running like Anthony Clark and Rick Trevino and Eva Petsova and uh, other ones that we had to recruit that were nominated by their communities. I think Anthony Clark got dozens of nominations because he ran a co-op in Chicago for several years, an awesome co-op. So, but those people we had to talk into running, but, um, um, Bowman and Corey Bush already wanted to run and AOC already wanted to run. They weren't nominated by their communities. They wanted to run. So the people yeah, Zena, that can I interrupt you for one moment? the ones that sold out. Does that make sense? The people that we yeah. had to talk into it, they didn't win their elections, but they were much better candidates. Yeah, so I, yeah I heard you um, talk about that before, I think, in the last call. So I totally understand your point. My thing is, um, moving forward, right, I'm wondering, maybe Justice Democrats should have, uh, every year, they need to, all the people that they endorse has to win that endorsement again, like in a formal way, right? So, like, um, we, we're like four years removed from when AOC won. Maybe every single year, there should be some kind of, almost like, you know how we have federal elections and all this stuff, uh, maybe there's some kind of date where that organization to say, okay, we're we're uh, allowing for the membership to re-vote to, for AOC, for Jamal Bowman to keep the 
Justice Democrat brand or whatever to be continue to be endorsed. And, you know, I know they get elected every two years, but why not have it once a year? Because you can kind of look back on their year or give them a progress report and say, oh, you, you had all these and these votes. I think I don't think you should be uh, continue to be endorsed or maybe, yeah, we, we need to be continued endorsed. But the membership should have that vote. So I'm talking about even moving past that initial um, endorsement. What do, you, what do you think, Zena or Sabi? I say something about. Go ahead, Notori. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this. I don't trust anything that come out of debt justice. I wouldn't want if I run. I wouldn't want to be associated with it. I just don't trust it or the people that come out of there. Cause I remember Jamel Bowman. He flipped so that bitch flipped so quick. Soon as he got the same, I say about the next day. When he, I think it was that when he got makeup put on to go on the view or something like that, it was just a mess for me. And I just don't trust mm-hmm. nothing that come out of the justices. The justice, um, I just wouldn't want to be associated with it. Yeah, I'm so yeah, I'm, I'm really um, doing this research for like um, the next organization, so that's why I'm asking these questions here. Oh, yeah. yeah, part of the problem, um, I did notice with Jamal Bowman, um, not too long after he won, uh. I remember he was on a podcast that Bernie was doing like those fireside chats, right? And there was something Jamal Bowman said, and me and my husband were watching it, and Jamal Bowman said, Bernie, if the Democratic Party didn't try to jump you, and that was exactly what he said, you would be the president right now. But I noticed something. Whenever Jamal Bowman would go onto media, he would never say that. And that, that right there let me know somebody spoke to Jamal Bowman. Same thing with AOC. When AOC first got in, she was protesting outside of Nancy Pelosi's office. And then we never saw that type of behavior from her again. And she was going on to The View and calling her mama bear. Somebody mm-hmm. spoke to AOC. And this is the problem. That's, that's why they can't go into that party because somebody, and I don't know if it was Nancy Pelosi or whoever, but Cynthia McKinney like, has talked to me about this very uh, extensively. And Cynthia McKinney said even when she was in Congress... She said it was actually Maxine Waters who spoke to her and said, well, Cynthia, I understand your disagreement, but when Democratic leaders tell us to do something, we're uh-huh. going to do it. In case you know about that, like, and Cynthia McKinney yeah. is very open and honest about that. And yeah. she'll tell you, like, I asked her, I was like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with all this? And she said, Sabrina, she said, that's why I don't live in the United States anymore. So they they ran Cynthia McKinney out the country. Like you guys got to understand, like the real fighters and stuff. A lot of those people they're gone. Where is Dennis Kucinich? You know, like that's someone I would love to get on because they treated him dirty too. And so when y'all yeah. say stuff, and when y'all say stuff like that, I really don't believe it's the people that's like you know AOC and stuff like that. I know they they like a lap dog and listen. But I feel like it's the big money people, like the interest, and I think it's something even bigger. People that's actually really running this country, the people with, like, I'm talking about billions, trillions of dollars that they listen to and they got to follow. Just like I know Ayanna Presley and AOC talking about people threatening them. If somebody is threatening you or talking about harming you, why don't come out to your people? The voters, people will have your back. That's right, Mm -hmm. Notori. I'm so glad you said that because... That was something that was brought up the other day. I forget whose show I was watching and they said that, but they mentioned the same thing. They said, if you guys told us what was happening, then as the voters, like we would have your back. 
Mm-hmm. Like we would fight for you, but they won't say anything. Even it was like when Ayana says, my family, Ayana Presley said her family mm-hmm. was threatened. Who threatened you? Who was it? You see what I'm saying? Like, and I believe Bernie Sanders was threatened too. I really do. Like, it just, there's, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like somebody is making these calls or making these shots. And what's the threats? Like Nina Turner said, well, some of them were told that they would be primary challenge, that there would be big money. Throw. Nah, that's not a, as much of a threat. I feel like it was, it was worse than that. I, feel I think like I the saw Nina Turner recently, and I clipped this actually today, that she, on her new show, I think she said something about um, they threatened that they wouldn't be in leadership. So remember, I think I, Ayanna, uh, Ilyan Omar is like the whip of the progressive caucus. So they, they're like trying to angle to be in the leadership. Okay, but um, but what is she whipping? Because <laughs> from what I see, like, Ilhan Omar, like, she not yeah. really, no one's listening to her. Pramila Jayapal is the chair. Mm-hmm. I think the threats are, like, awful research. Like, they will find something embarrassing to put out on them or something like that, like messages, pictures. I feel like that's something they would do. And it's like... I just wish I woke up in two thousand after Obama because I was young and dumb and voted for that pimp player, smooth talking, good looking man. I fell for it, <laughs> but I woke the hell up. Seriously, I some people. I know some they people were that always voted. this way. Ilhan was always this way. Ayana was always this way. Corey was always this way. AOC was this way. Now with Corey, I don't know, man. Her car got shut up during her race, and we had to. I did a like a ghost fundraiser for her just with people we knew to pay and get that fixed. She was a friend. She's a friend. You know, she's somebody I love, but she also always wanted to be in politics. Wait, what do you say? Her car she got what? Wanted to be in politics. I remember so, it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, I remember her car too. got shot up real bad. Yeah, we had to get her security and stuff. But, you know, Corey was real to a certain extent, but she wanted to be in politics. She wanted to follow in her father's footsteps, right? And make him proud. She wanted to be in politics. She wanted to be a politician. Paula Jean didn't want to be a politician. You know, um, Anthony Clark didn't want to be a politician. The firebrands didn't want to be, and they lost. But Ilhan Omar wants to be a politician. Ayanna Presley wants to be, God dang, did AOC want to be. She was basically an actress. These people, I could tell, you know, in my gut, AOC was the only one that shocked me and Rashida, because Rashida was pretty fire. I mean, she told the DNC to F off when I was on a call with her. Literally, she told them to kiss her ass. It was awesome. Um, but it's there. Most of them want to be in politics. They want the clout and they want the notoriety. That's when I saw Corey got that Bush deal. I'm like that book deal. I'm like, you are doing the thing now. You are out. You you're doing the thing that is was never going to be a good thing. But I knew it was different because those people knew how to play the game. You know, they had the headshot portfolios ready. They had you know. When they talked to me, they would always say, Zaina, I need the endorsement. Zaina, get me the mainstream media when the other candidates were focused on the policy and the people in their districts, right? I knew the candidates that were going to be the grift and weren't because of that kind of nonsense. I could just spot them out immediately. And and AOC, for instance, I took everyone's headshots and Alex brought me a new portfolio and she was like, here's my headshots. I don't want to use those. And that was like three weeks of knowing her. And she had these glamour shots done, you know, and I'm like, girl, 
you are wanting to do the thing to get the clout and to be a politician. And the longer I knew her, the more that was established. And this was back in 2016. So yeah, yeah, yeah. these people are real, but a lot of them aren't. Well, I will say uh, anyone who at that point in time, he's not alive anymore, but anyone who was trying to intern for Ted Kennedy definitely wants to be a career politician. Yes, I was about to say the same thing. Yes. Yeah. You don't do, you don't apply for an internship with Ted Kennedy unless you want a career in politics. So this whole thing about, I was just a bartender and I I just thought I'd run. I'm like, it's like, nah, bullshit. When I found out she interned for Ted Kennedy, I was like, nah. What about (laughs) that stuff that she went overseas and was it the, it won't the FBI or CIA or something? Yeah, she had worked for CIA agency and she had a startup. Like a lot of people don't know that. They just know the story of Sandy, the bartender, bartender. I'm like, Sandy, the bartender also had a startup. She grew, she grew up in a wealthy area in the suburbs of New York, outside of New York City. I know where Boston University recruits from because I worked at BU for five years. So for people who live in the Bronx, there was only one school that they recruit from in the Bronx, and that's the math and science school. Everybody else is left out. These schools recruit from certain zip codes. So I knew when I was like, she grew up in the Bronx and she was I'm like, that don't sound right. And I only knew that because I worked there. So there was that. But the other thing too was that when and it's not just AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, like there was this image about them that like, oh, they're they're working class people, but they really weren't. Ilhan Omar wasn't working class. Ayanna Presley wasn't working class. Mm-hmm. Ayanna Presley also went to Boston University. So it's like we were sold a bag of goods. And, you know, when Paula Jean Swearingen came onto my show, I still remember this. Like she said, I apologize, Sabby, to you and everybody else because I supported them and I really believed and and I said, Paula, I said, you don't have to apologize. I said, because honestly, I think they fooled all of us. And Can I think I ask something. All a question? Yeah, I just want to say something really quick. Something about um, what Zainab said, this whole thing about people who wanted to be a politician and people who didn't. That's the same thing that Shama Sawant has said. Shama Sawant did not want to be a politician. Jill Stein did not want to be a politician. This is how you get the good people. Shama Sawant was voted on by Socialist Alternatives. So as a Marxist organization, they decide who will be the best person to run, not someone who wants to be a politician. And they were right. She was the best person to run. And Shama Sawant has faced a lot of adversity, uh, especially winning that race. They tried to recall her. Like, and, and she's gone through a lot. I know recently I just saw a story where they were throwing like poop, like on her house, like Shama Sawant is, is with the people and is fighting for the people. And mm-hmm. one of the things she said to me about socialist alternative is even if she would have lost, it didn't matter because socialist alternative was still doing the work on the ground. They were still, they did the fight for 15 and they won that they did the fight against Amazon and they won that. So that's the difference. When you look at Justice Democrats, when you look at the progressive uh, movement or the Bernie Sanders movement, those movements are attached to a political campaign. So if the candidates lose like Bernie Sanders did, 
The people, the supporters had nowhere else to go. And that's why a lot of us who are a part of that movement, we're just all sitting back like, what the hell? Like, what do we do now? Where do we go? Because Bernie Sanders left his movement because Bernie Sanders isn't running for election anymore. You guys see the problem? It has to, you have to have the work, the working class, the work on the ground. Otherwise, people have nothing else to return back to. That's because we organized on the ground, at least for brand new Congress. And then we brought people in, you know, um, with because I, I helped organize them. Right. Like uh, the, the first Medicare for all push when we we pushed to get what two hundred went from uh, 47 co-sponsors to 230. And it didn't mean a damn thing for Medicare for all. And then we had the push on the ground for abolish ice. That was a huge on the ground push with with local organizing that I organized in the States and that we organized, um, that I led a lot of the messaging on. Then we had, you know, we had the green new deal push. So people were actually organizing around these policies, but you know what the problem was savvy? We, we put, um, faces on that people on those policies as the hero to champion those policies, right? And it muddied the water for the organizing. And that's a lesson that I tried to take to MPP. I'm like, we need to not have, you know, heroes and faces because the problem was that when you attach those faces and those people let you down, then all that movement, all that movement we had for Medicare for all, for Abolish ICE, for the Green New Deal, for, um, you know, uh, the 21st Century Bill of Rights that I wrote that we pushed Bernie to adopt. What happened to all of that? It just went away because it was attached to those people, you know. And so now people aren't they don't remember those policies anymore. They just remember how bad AOC and Cori Bush and these people are because they broke their promises. And so we stopped organizing mm -hmm. around those policies. And that's what hurts me the most. That's the thing that I regret the most is because I was in it for the organizing. And these people that were running were just part of it. But the organizing didn't go anywhere because these people lied. And now we've forgotten about the organizing and we need to get back to that. That's right. Go ahead, Natori. I know you had something. You were say. I forgot my question, but it's the last thing I want to say, and I'm going to let somebody else in. I just want to say, I always say this, Democrats will give you pennies, a.k.a. crumbs, and Republicans will come in and take the pennies that Democrats give you. Both parties are trash, and we need a third or multi-party system in this country. I love you, Savvy. I enjoy everything you do. Keep up the hard work, and I'm out. Thank you so much, Notori. Um, cool Blue, I made you a speaker. Um, feel free to unmute. And I'm also going to bring in See the Change. So both of you are on the mic. To me, Cool Blue. Um, I, I have a tendency when I'm listening to the conversation, if somebody is wondering something, I want to go ahead and add to it. Maybe I, that I could answer somebody's question. One person was this is John Fetterman. Winner is going to be Mehmet Oz. Coming into this year's elections, the Republicans have 50, the Democrats 50 in the U.S. Senate. And the U.S. Senate flipped to the White House Opposition Party, 1994, uh, 2006, and 2014. The opposition party did not 
I'm checking on, the Republicans would have no business not holding Pennsylvania. So John Fetterman or somebody else, that seat was meant to be held based on voting patterns. So I will go ahead and say that they'll win the Senate flipping Nevada. A 52nd seat could be Georgia, Herschel Walker. A 53rd seat could be Arizona if they go that far. I also want to mention that I came across, this is the content creator, the progressives, named Do Dissidents. They got a YouTube video from May 11 to 2022. It's titled Pelosi makes stunningly absurd excuses for Democrats' failure to protect Roe v. Wade. And in the video, Nancy Pelosi and this Face the Nation interview, and I think Face the Nation is CBS, she admitted Mm-hmm. She didn't say it just for the current time. She meant it also during the Obama presidency. Yep. She became Speaker of the House when just after the Democrats won the midterm elections of 2006 during George W. Bush. So she took that position, Speaker, in 2007. So we're talking about those four years, 2007 through 2010, and then when she came back in 2019. And you can tell with her, Steny Hoyer and Jim Clyburn, the top three, how they came to help Henry, Henry Quellar in Texas fend off Jessica Cineros. That's proof positive with that example that the Democrats don't actually care about women and their reproductive rights. I also want to say that if you want to tie it in Roe v. Wade, that decision by the U.S. Supreme Court was 1973. The Democrats got their pickup of the presidency the next time in 1976 with Jimmy Carter. So when Carter started in 1977, in the U.S. House, the Democrats had 292 seats out of the 435 for 67% of the House seats. For the Senate, they had 61, right there a supermajority, 61% of the U.S. Senate seats. They've had 45 plus years that they could have taken the time and actually make it happen to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. That tells us intention, as far as I'm concerned. And I think That's that right. Right says a lot. That's right. They had decades to get it done. And another thing I want to mention, too, which some people may not know, when Roe v. Wade was um, uh, passed by the Supreme Court, that was a Republican Supreme Court. Yeah. Do you guys see how things have changed? That's why I said the parties, they can flip at any time. They can flip on the issues like, and a lot of people don't realize that, but that was a. Yeah, I think, I think the power of the voter is to deny the party closer to you, your vote. Lawrence O'Donnell said it in the Ralph Nader, documentary on Ralph Nader, an unreasonable man, 2005. He said, I've worked in democratic party politics. They do not listen to the left. The only way to show the Democratic Party you are serious is to demonstrate to them you are willing to not vote for them. Yep. Yep. I remember that. I remember that video by Lawrence O'Donnell. It's it very Yeah. And it's just, and you know, um, I want to bring in, uh, see the change. I want to bring you in as well. But those statistics that you gave, like I'm actually looking at the, um, 
Nevada poll now for Senate. Likely to flip Republican for U.S. Senate and for governor. And the Republicans may gain a seat. I'm looking at that now. They are. They are. Like, it's the polls right now. Wow. Like the probable order, Nevada, and if they get more, 52nd, 53, Georgia and Arizona. And the Republicans may flip the governorship of Oregon and they'll gain a congressional seat there. So, you know, this and they may gain a House seat in Rhode Island. So this is how bad this year's Democratic Party is, electorally, that is. But all the other issues, you know, they stand out in that way, too. And that says something, too, because remember, guys. Donald Trump won Pennsylvania in 2016 and Joe Biden won Pennsylvania in 2020. If Oz wins Pennsylvania, that means Pennsylvania is leaning back towards the Republican Party. Do you guys see how they can just flip? Like, that's why it is, you know, people just flip and flop. They're like, the economy is bad. And this is a thing. Like, if the economy is bad, it is not uncommon for the other party to win. Go ahead. See the change. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin are the best bellwether states. They'll reflect what goes on with the national alchemy. Wow. See the change? Um, Yep. See the change? Hey, I'm so sorry. Forgive me if the if the call drops because this is my third time being in line. I'm determined to say something. How are y'all doing? <laughs> good, <laughs> good, good. Um, so much was said. I'm sitting here keeping notes like I usually do when I'm on um, Twitter <laughs> in spaces. Um, there's just like so many different things. Um, I I do agree as far as just kind of piggybacking off of the last point that y'all were talking about. Um, as far as uh, like 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 the voting, like like I think most of the people here know that I that I'm in Texas. Okay, so when it comes to Texas, it's already red, right? I know some people like to call it purple, but I don't think it's there just yet. Um, just at all. Um, but I was looking at polls for uh, Beto, and I swear if I get one more text from him, from from his campaign, Bernie's campaign. Pelosi, I'm getting like, I mean, the texts are coming in like multiple a day now. It used to be like, oh, once every couple of weeks. And now it's like every day, multiple ones. Um, but I was telling you a while back that Beto was saying, well, I'm not worried about the race because uh, we're going to win based on, you know, uh, female reproductive rights. And we talked about that, about the poll that they did in Texas, which was saying that that's not the main concern.
Well, I think the thing is, is that even if they lose, they still win in a way because they fundraise. And that's, that's like the big thing. Like they just want to fundraise. Like it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like, yeah, they want to make it look like they're trying to like do their job. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, even if the democratic party loses, they'll still have their jobs. It's right. the American people that really lose because we don't, we don't get anything. Mm-hmm. And even when they're in office, they don't give us anything. Mm-hmm. 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 Hey, hey, the person that's help me with my workout. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was actually, while y'all were talking about that, I was like, yeah, the threat. Okay. So tell me this, maybe nobody else notices this, but I, I feel like, I'll just zone in on one person, Cori Bush specifically. It seemed like the first time that she was running, she was a totally different Cori Bush than who she is now. And I feel like in between there, like when she, I think she ran twice, right? And she won the second time. Um, it, it seemed like the first few interviews after she got elected, she just seemed uncomfortable. She seemed kind of awkward, not really knowing kind of what to say. And I get that, like if you're not used to, you know, interviewing and being in that that whole world or whatever. But it just seemed like she, part of her wanted to push back. Part of her wanted to stay like how she was, like grassroots and very, you know, very leftist. And then it just like all of a sudden it's like it just kind of consumed her. And then I started seeing her change her language and not not say the same things. Uh, but I. And I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm, I'm watching this happen. Like, is anybody else seeing this? Like, transition is weird, right? So I did speak to someone close to. Oh, I yeah, did, both I of y'all, please. Speak to someone uh, close to Corey's team. Mm-hmm. This was a couple of months ago, and I was told that her team was not allowed to speak. <laughs> And that mm. she was not allowed to mention defund the defund movement. Keep in mind where she came from, like the Ferguson, mm. like protests and everything. I was told that her team in particular was not allowed to speak. Wow. She shifted her advisors too, right? So the first mm. election, we had some people That's what did. establishment on her campaign, but but Corey pushed against it, right? And she had a couple mm. of bad interviews. I remember that you know she got those advisors to advise her on a on a Fox interview, and then it went to hell. And then she called me after it, mm. like, "How? What do I do now?" So then she started calling me again to advise her on interviews for a while. But then those people kind of came back in, you know, and they were more established, right? Um, And so they, like, tempered her, if that makes any sense. She went from, like, firebrand to tempering her. Now, when we were driving up to the Medicare for All March, Paula Jean and I were messaging her. We were in, like, a Twitter with her and Amy Valella and, and Nina. We were like, where are you guys at? We're going to the march. And then I saw Corey and she showed up and she was looking. She was looking around and people think that she showed up for cloud or something like that. But I'm going to tell you all the truth. She showed up because two of her close friends came and she she tried to any sense. And then when she saw me and Paula, she hugged us. And what she literally said to us Mm -hmm. is she said, I'm the same person. I'm still me. And she had tears in her eyes. We were all crying. Right. 
because we'd missed her and she was acting weird. So we were like, well, what the hell's been up? Mm -hmm. And then she got like bombarded with journalists and stuff about force the vote. So we couldn't really talk to her. But then I saw her at the Capitol steps and I sat down beside her and was trying to talk to her during that because we did, you know, went out there. I went out there to support her. And then after that, after all that they pulled on the Capitol steps, which was just pageantry, and I, I got upset about it because she rolled out her housing as a human rights bill. You notice that's how she launched that protest. And then she back. And I heard her speaking to someone saying, well, we're not promoting the bill now because Biden's going to push this 90 day thing. Right. And then the squad showed up at the steps and then she completely changed why she was there for. And then come to find out Nancy Pelosi has to give permission to have press conferences and everything in front of the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. This is what the police told us while we were there. So Nancy mm -hmm. gave her permission after that. Like she kind of started it on her own, <laughs> but then they came in. And so that's when they were doing like the dancing in front of it and pretending like they just with the 90 day thing. They moved her from fighting for housing as a human right to 90 days is good. And I saw these advisors around her the second day I came and they kind of couldn't go over to her, which is a weird feeling. But she just it's the people around her and stuff, man. It's that book deal. It's this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I believe in a way she might believe, you know, I can get something for St. Louis. You know, I can get this and that. But um notoriety is a hell of a drug, right? And and, being, and ha having all those people around you when you get up mm. there, it's a different, it's a different space than, mm -hmm. you know, the others. And they'll tell you, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta play the game so that you can do some good. That's how they manipulate, right? You won't do any good if you're not sitting on this, you know, committee or mm -hmm. that. And that's how they yeah, and it could take someone like Nancy Pelosi to say, I was once in your position. I, you know, came in progressive and I learned that I had to play the game. See, this is how this is how it works. So, but the other thing is too, I will say mm -hmm. about Cori Bush in reference to the mm -hmm. Medicare for All March. Uh, that is not the the statement that she gave to the bank sisters. The statement that she gave to the bank sisters was that we don't agree with what you guys are doing. And that's the thing. And there was another guy who recorded Cori Bush. Uh, I think it was Kobe asking her about, you know, the march and everything. And she was not happy, like not happy. So that's the, that's the thing. You don't go there as an actor.
America where they had no internet or bad internet. Okay, so you think of it as if, yeah, it was probably a big contributor to these, um, you know, the learning disability, you know, not fully developing their, their learning skills while going to school remotely because there's this mentality by PMC that said, oh, just go to school on the internet. They're like, fool, don't you know people don't got internet? Or, or the internet is terrible in urban communities, or it's, or they have none. There's no infrastructure. You know, I'm, I, I was, you know, a former IT guy. There's no infrastructure in rural America. So again, basic needs. So, just, so what I got? I got water. I got. Uh, I said water. I said broadband. I said healthcare. The other basic need, transportation. You know, uh, the roads are still messed up. We still don't have any. Um, the high speed rail, you know what I mean? Um, um, a housing, yeah, housing, yes, basic housing, housing. housing. I knew I mm-hmm. forgot something. Um, Guaranteed housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's talking about. Oh, uh, what did he say? Um, the, the gay people won't be able to marry. I said, yeah, gay people probably don't have a house mm-hmm. either. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, gay people True. are sleeping on the street. True. I'm in New York City mm-hmm. right now. I see people sleeping on the street all the time. Mm-hmm. I think all that matters. Yes, no, no. You know, I think that, that domestic vibe, I think that us putting them on echelons is important, but not to the point where one of the problems. Violence, rape, yeah. misogyny, yeah. sexual assault. Um, yes. And then, yes, things like like the don't say gay bill. People are getting fired and not getting housing because of that in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all of it is important. And I'm not trying to correct you or anything. I'm just saying that they those are tied together. Those issues and economics are tied together. And intersectionality, I hate using that buzzword, but it's real. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. we have to have all those things, right. you know, and we shouldn't settle. Right. We shouldn't be like, okay, if you guys want to, if you guys want to take gay marriage off the table, as long as you give, you get us housing, we're good with that. No. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with domestic violence and and no kid shouldn't be married off at 13, like, because they're sliding through, Republicans are sliding through this legislation Mm -hmm. while we're in economic crisis because we're focused on the war and we're focused on the economic crisis while they're taking away our human rights. It all goes in hand in hand. You oh, know yeah, what no I doubt. mean? So, so let me just move on to the one real quick. Real quick.
truths about John Fetterman. And we got a lot of like crap for that. People are like, how dare you? How dare you look up his background? Uh, that's what you're supposed to do. When I interview candidates, even if I'm not going to interview a candidate, but I'm going to talk about the candidate, I'm going to look up their background and their research. That's what you're supposed to do. So it was just really weird to me that like people were promoting John Fetterman and they didn't do any type of research into his background at all. They were just like, this guy says he's for uh, canceling student loan debt. He's wearing a hoodie and, and, and shorts and he supports the workers and unions. They didn't look into this guy at all. And it is very important, like even when we pointed this out and I pointed this out to Marianne Williamson. And by the way, uh, I've had Marianne Williamson on multiple times before, but like I said, when I was on Bad Faith, she's good on some issues mm-hmm. and she's bad on other issues. And this is one of those issues she's, she's bad on. She said on Twitter, I'd rather vote for the guy who's principled in Pennsylvania than the guy who's not. And I, I responded and I said, so you'd rather support, so you want to support the guy who's pro-fracking and hunted down a black jogger with a gun? That's not principled. So this was another example, and I hate to say it. I know some people want Marianne Williamson to run for president oh again. They think she's going to be the next, you know, great hope. And this is, we talked to uh, Brianna Joy Gray about this on her show. And I said, and we all came down on it. And I said, Marianne Williamson is horrible on foreign policy. She's a Zionist. She's anti-BDS. And then the other thing is, she has these horrible freaking takes on Twitter, just like the one she posted the other day where she didn't know anything clearly about John Fetterman. She was just going like specifically off of party politics. And this is the person that they're expecting to do the dirty break to run as a Democrat and then say, okay, I lost. So I'm going to run as an independent. How can you expect her to do that? When she's basically using vote blue, no matter who logic. And that's the flaw with someone like Marianne Williamson. And again, like I said, I've had her on my show before, but I know who she is and what she believes. And so this is why I'm saying like, Sabby, this I talked to her. I talked to her about running for president and all she did the whole time. And it was, it was, it was about an hour and a half long conversation. She was talking to me about the people's party, what I was going to do to change it and all this other stuff. All kept doing was pushing it back to like the Democratic Party and talking about how 